With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition, the 50th episode of What the Heck, right here on MMAFighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for checking out the show this week, and it's going to be a good one, my friends. We have a loaded up guest list. Three of the guests will be fighting this Saturday at UFC Vegas 22, and one of those guests will be in the main event. So a lot to get to this week. Of course, we're coming off UFC Vegas 21, unfortunate ending to that card with the eye poke from Leon Edwards to Blah Muhammad. That led to a no contest. Just been a wild couple of weeks for DQs and no contests. We got two of them on Saturday. Eric Anders versus Darren Stewart also ended in an illegal knee in a no contest. I'm not going to mince words. It sucked. The main event especially. It sucked for everybody. And uh, we're going to see what's going to happen from there. Bilal wants to run it back. Leon wants the title shot. And as we found out on Monday night, he's not going to get it because... Kamar Usman versus Jorge Mazadal 2 is going to go down April 24th at UFC 261 in Jacksonville, Florida with the full house of fans. That card is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You got the strawweight title and the women's flyweight titles on the line as well. Just crazy. Like, we are combat sports fans. We are MMA fans and we're getting these cards. Like, we get to sit down and watch all of these title fights in the next few months. It's absolutely bananas. But that's in April. We, of course, we got the pay-per-view coming up on March 27th, UFC 260. Two title fights. Got the heavyweight title, Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. We got Alexander Volkanovsky defending against Brian Ortega. But this weekend, the middleweight division will be in the spotlight. Derek Brunson takes on Kevin Holland in the main event of UFC Vegas 22. It's a big one and a very interesting division at 185 pounds. But we'll be discussing that card quite a bit this week and much more. 
You know what? Let's just get right into it. We got so much to talk about. So here's the lineup for what the heck this week. Wrapping us up, the former UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. He's going to be entering the squared circle on April 17th in a boxing match against Antonio Tarva. How about that? Same card as Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. We're going to see Frank Mir versus Antonio Tarver. Wild, man. Absolutely wild. Excited to chat with Frank Mir a little bit later on. Grant Dawson returns to action in a brand new weight class this Saturday at UFC Vegas 22. He's going to take on Leonardo Santos in his lightweight debut. Very exciting prospect out of Glory MMA with head coach James Krause. I've been interviewing Grant Dawson since he was 19 years old. About to make his 155-pound debut in the octagon. The Prophet joins us this week ahead of that fun scrap. Also competing this Saturday, Trevin Giles makes his what-the-heck debut. He takes on Roman Delize. Roman Delize debuting in a new weight class. He goes down from 205 to the middleweight division. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. He's going to do so in a little over a week's notice. Trevin has been through a lot over the last 18 months, as you guys probably know. He's coming off a knockout win over Bevan Lewis in November. Great stuff from Trevin Giles. You'll hear that later on on the program. With the women's bantamweight division being in a lot of conversations these days, especially after Amanda Nunes defeated Megan Anderson. We don't know what's going on with 145. We've heard Juliana Pena call her shot for the chance to fight Amanda Nunes at 135 pounds for the bantamweight title. Well, Aspen Ladd, who hasn't competed since December of 2019, she's been recovering from knee surgery. She's going to join us to give her response to that chatter which, spoiler alert, she does not agree with one Juliana Pena. 25 minutes from right now, you'll find out why Aspen Ladd feels that way. That conversation is on deck. But first, it is a Kevin Holland fight week. And as it has been on What the Heck since this show started 50 episodes ago, when it's a Kevin Holland fight week, he is on this program. This week is no different. Here he is. All right. Well, the tradition continues here on the program, as we have seen over the last several months. When this man has a fight, we are blessed enough to carve out some time with this gentleman. Of course, a big one coming up this Saturday. Headlines UFC Vegas 22 against Derek Brunson. Happy to be joined once again by the trailblazer himself, Kevin Holland. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing great. So you're getting ready to travel to Vegas tomorrow as we record. You've had a lot of time to think about this one after a crazy 2020 where yeah. you went 5-0. and oh. What has it been like having a super extended training camp for the first time in a little bit? Man, long. You know, uh, it's been um, been a process, you know, uh, that, that I can say for sure. Uh, camps are different, you know, it's like, a, it's nothing like getting up off the couch and going out there and getting it versus camps. You kind of, you got to really put it all in, put it all in there and, you know, make it all happen every day, all day, you know? So that was, uh, that was fun, you know, to say the most. I know the last time we, we spoke before the Jacare fight, you said that you actually preferred that new date and that new opponent over the scheduled main event with Jack Hermanson because you wanted to still be able to have the opportunity to jump into short notice opportunities like you've been doing, you know, for the last several fights. And once you became quote unquote, a main eventer, those chances may not be there as much. So uh, this is a main event, albeit against a guy you've wanted to fight for quite some time. Did you sort of have to accept the fact that you are a main event guy and that things are probably going to change, especially with how you ended that fight with Jacare? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you kind of have to 
accept that that's what's going to happen with the game, you know, but, uh, you know, still would like to ultimately take last second fights. You know, it's like I love last second fights. I love stepping in there at any point in time and getting in to bang somebody up. But at the same time, you know, uh, I make enough money now for this is like a professional career and I'm a professional athlete. So I have to act like a professional athlete. So, you know, uh, it was fun, you know, doing things the way I've been doing things. But, you know, now we're going to do things the professional way. And still take last second fights if they pop up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, it's as you say that, like now that you've had a few months to sort of digest the year that you had, like the awards, the nominations, being put in this upper echelon category in the sport. Like, what did 2020 mean to you? Not just in terms of the money that you're talking about, which you made a lot of, but you know, just like overall growth, experience, lessons learned, et cetera. Like, what's your biggest takeaway from 2020? Uh, I'd have to say, you know. The overall growth. Um, I learned how to deal with things in 2020, you know what I mean, in a different way. You know, I, I learned that, you know, I can deal with things in a different way. So uh, overall, I was just a, a bigger, better man now than I ever once was before. And that, you know, uh, is awesome. Other than that, 2020 was just another year to go out there and to fight as much as, uh, much as I could. And uh, I was thankful that they allowed me to fight as much as I could, you know, it's like, I'm hoping to do the same thing again this year. But like you said, main event now, um, bigger fights, you know, names and stuff like that. You know, you got to promote the fights, you got to do et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I won't be able to fight as much as I used to, but you know, taking out of last year, your boy was the man. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you definitely were the man. Um, before we talk about Saturday, I, I did want to get your take on what we saw a little over a week ago. We saw the middleweight champion, Israel Adesanya, jump up to 205. You loved the gusto in him doing that, but he was on the wrong end of a unanimous decision to Jan Bohovich. He's going to return back to 185 and do his thing there. What were your thoughts on the fight, Izzy's performance, and ultimately how it all turned out? Well, you know, uh, you know, people were track like he didn't do good. You know, he did pretty good. Uh you know, he did he did good. You know, people think that they seen something because he got out wrestled. I felt like the man got outstruck. You know, it's like uh, overall, you know, like he like he said, he dared to be great. You know, and 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 props to him. You know, it's like he went out there and took a tough fight and did, you know, better than most guys would do. It's not like going from you know, um, it's not like going from, you know. 155 i mean like one it's not like going from 145 to 155 or it's not like going from 135 to 145 you know it's like 185 to 205 that's a pretty big jump you know so he went out there he tried it he said he didn't put on weight i don't believe that you know what i mean it's like if you look at the israel sanya first got in the ufc to the israel sanya who was fighting paula castile he'd been put on weight so it's like maybe he didn't put on too much more for the the jan fight was that the downfall no, overall, he just, you know, he wasn't, uh, I don't feel like he was normal Izzy that night, you know, and it's like, uh, and then at the same time, John went out there and fought a really, really good fight, so it's like, just know that when you fight Izzy, you got to fight a really, really good fight, you know what I mean? You have to go out there and, and you have to play it as smart as you can, because the guy, you know, the guy is pretty good. Like you said, you know, he, he stepped up, he dared to be great, and you that was something you appreciated right off the bat. He comes up short despite a, a, a pretty solid effort against a bigger guy. In your eyes, as, as a top 10 guy getting ready for a huge fight on Saturday, were you, I guess I'll say, were you happy with how it turned out because it keeps the division moving and kind of makes your road to a title shot 
a little bit shorter had he have won, and, and instead of had he won? No, I keep teasing the idea that I'm uh, I'm going 170 pounds. I'm about to go fight Usman for the belt. I don't care what they <laughs> – you know what I mean? It's like uh, I'm going to go have fun elsewhere. You know, it's like, nah, man, I really don't – I'm not really stressing the belt. You know, it's like I'm not really stressing anything. Uh, if he would have won and he would have stayed up there and it would have made it so there was no belt, then – I guess Kev gets to fight five times. You know what I mean? It's like six times in one year. If not, you know, he's back here and everybody's like, oh, I want to see you versus Izzy. I want to see you versus Izzy. Well, you know, a good a good majority of the people, you know, get past Brunson, then more people will say it. Then get past, you know, Till or uh, uh, Gaslam, somebody like that. And then more people will say it again. And it's like, uh, eventually the time will come. You know, it's like, I'm all about the styles. I'm not all really about the belt. You know, a lot of people love the belt. I'm like, Shit, I got plenty of jewelry. I got a lot of gold. You know what I mean? I got a nice belt buckle made from a, you know, a nice company out here in Texas. You know, for uh, Texas boy type stuff. You know, it's like I, I got belts. You know, I got a nice buckle, and so a lot of people don't have that buckle, one of a kind. You know what I mean? So you know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it's like I'm not really worried. If he would have stayed at 205 and won the belt there, and he would have been doing the the double champ thing, as long as you do it as good as Amanda Noons. No problem, you know, and it's like, and there has to be a challenge there, you know, and it's like, I, I could see him not wanting to do a rematch, but now that he's coming off of a loss, I think it gets the division more so moving, you know, I think he's back hungry again, so he's going to take on all comers to prove that he can go back up there and try that again, and so all comers, I'm one of those comers when I come, you know. When you when you say teasing 170, are we like, are you just throwing it out there for, for S and G's or like, are we really, cause I know you talked about it before and then it was kind of like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good where I'm at right now. I don't need to cut that extra weight. What are we thinking? I gotta convince my coaches. It's not, it's not convincing me. It's convincing my coaches that, you know, we, we could do the drop and still be strong and still feel good. And it's like, I don't cut any weight for 85. You know? It's like, I almost get chewed out cause they feel like I'm not eating enough. And it's like, I feel them hundred percent, but it's like, you know, it's just, you know, it's not part of the, the job at 85. You know, it's like I eat what I want to eat, do what I want to do. As long as I'm training, it is what it is. You know, for 70, I feel like it'd be a lot more discipline and I'm ready to start being disciplined. So, you know, I think I could be more disciplined for 85 and probably a bigger 85er. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it's whatever. I'll take, you know, it's like I just want to fight as often as possible. So if they start playing the game with me at 85, maybe I can go over here, you know what I mean? Fight a bunch of times. They come back up here, fight a bunch of times. You know, I just want to... Bing, 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 and then do my thing. You know, that's just what it's all about. <laughs> everyone's, you know, everyone's talking about like lightweight and welterweight right now, like being so interesting and having all these questions. But I feel like we got three big main events at 85 coming up in the next month. You mentioned Till and Vittor. We got Whitaker and Costa. This is all happening in like a month span. Is is middleweight not getting enough love right now? Because things Whitaker, are really interesting. I mean, I mean, it's going to be curious to see if Paul Lucasteel was just off his game that night, right? Or if he just, you know... I don't know. It's like, I'm not really high off the political steel fire now. He needs to go get a dub for sure. You know, it's like matching him up with Whitaker. You know, it's like he could lose that fight. Then all of a sudden that buzz behind Paulo Castillo is kind of gone. You know, it's like, never, you know, not too hyped off that guy. You know, it's like, uh, it's a, it's only a big fight there because Robert Whitaker's in it. You know, it's like, it's not a big fight because Paulo Castillo's in the fight. You know, it's like, no disrespect to Paulo Castillo. The guy's a, a mean, mean-looking bodybuilder. But, you know, we're talking about fighting. Here. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to fighting, you know, uh, he didn't look great at all his last fight. And they say you're only as good as your last fight, right? 
So my last fight was a sparring session in the gym, and I didn't do great in the last round. My my bad, my bad. Oh, good. We lost you. There he is. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you're only as good as your last one. Paulo's the still last one. Wasn't fantastic at all. And then I seen the shadow boxing videos after that and stuff. And it's like, still no cardio, you know, still no fluid movement. And it's like, that's no, that's no big fight. Robert Whitaker weathers a, a, a little bit of a couple of squeezes from the muscles and he'll beat the crap out of that guy. So <laughs> it's not a big fight. But did you... That Darren Till Marvin Vittori fight? Now that shit's interesting. <laughs> you say so yourself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure you're going to be watching that one very closely. Can, can I ask? Did, did you see what Costa said recently about the Adesanya fight? And he had a, a little too much wine. A little too much wine. What'd you think I mean, about that? Shit, you can give me you can give me six shots of Hallerhead, and I'm still not gonna go out there and bust your head. You know what I mean? So I don't really think it matters. You know what I mean? It's like. I come from a kung fu place, you know what I mean? I'm like drunken monkey around here. Uh, I don't know, man. I just, you know, those undefeated guys, you know, those guys who've never tasted a loss before and then they finally taste a loss. They just tend to, they tend to cry a lot, you know? Quit bitching. Go out there and, and do better next time. You know, it's like, you lost. Oh, well, it is what it is. You know, it's like, if you, can't, if you can't handle losing after talking shit, you know, it's like, don't talk shit. You know what I mean? It's simple. You know, it's like, I think that's what it is. I think he's more butthurt than anything that it went the way that it went. You know, it's like, you're drunk off wine. Get the fuck out of here. Who gets drunk? What man gets drunk off wine? You know what I mean? It's like, you're, you're a full grown man here getting drunk off wine. It's a little, uh, a little iffy if you ask me. Fair enough. Well, now, I mean, you, you probably won't be drinking wine on Friday, but you're going to fight Derek Brunson on Saturday. We've been talking about Derek, you and I, for quite some time now, and it yeah. finally happens in a few days in a big spot. How excited are you to finally get inside the octagon with him and, and put your hands on this man? Because you've been talking about it for a while. You know what, man? My coach brought to realization that, you know, the way things went down when me and him had a conversation at the airport, the way he responded to the thing and everything like that. I, I if this is if this is what I wanted it to be originally, I won that battle already. So this is just full blown another MMA fight. You know, I get a chance to go out there and dare to be great. <laughs> uh, no, nah, man, I'll go out there. I'm happy to get it to go out there and I'm happy just to go out there and uh, be inside the cage again. Ain't no party like octagon party. You know what I mean? So I'm happy to go out there and be the life of the party this time. And uh, that'll be a blast. So. You know, sucks I can't play video games for a week. And, uh, oh, shit, we got people waiting on them. <laughs> you know, sucks we can't play video games for a week. But at the end of the day, it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's like, um, can't do a lot of the things I like to do at the house for a week. But, you know, after I whoop Brunson, I can do it all in a, in a better fashion. So it's okay. It is what it is, you know? You can't bring the video games with you? Yeah, you can bring them with you. But the internet over there, you know, it just doesn't work the same. Yeah doesn't work the same you know it doesn't work like that at home internet you know i got, I got right. plugged right on in that thing you know it's like i'm moving high speed you know and it's like and at the inter at the hotel i'm moving slow speed you know and i'm not trying to move slow like that <laughs> for, the, for uh for, for those who who follow you on social media we we see two words that that have been attached to you for a while skilled violence those two words seem to mean a, a lot to you so I'm curious, like, what type of display of, of skilled violence can we expect on Saturday? And what do those two words mean to you? Because you've seen it an awful lot. Yeah. So uh, 
you know, guy I really like, you know, and like uh, they came up with a company called Skill Violence, and when he uh, when he dropped the name, I was like, damn, that name's fire. You know what I mean? And he wanted me to be the man, so I'm like, yeah, I appreciate being the man. But Skill Violence, it fits well with me. You know what I mean? I am a very, very violent individual. You know what I mean? And, and you know, and it's like try not to be, but that's just what I am. You know, and it's like at the end of the day, you know, I train day in and day out to be a patient, calm man. But at the end of the day. You do this, you do this. You know what I mean? And I'm just happy I learned how to do this, uh, what you could say, in a, in a smart, skilled manner. You know what I mean? And it's like uh, the violence I do display is usually pretty nasty and pretty nice. You know, uh, watch the Jacare fight. You know, it's like we were doing jiu-jitsu on bottom. And uh, I was still smacking and pinging and dinging those elbows. You know what I mean? Real viciously. And versus where most guys who train jiu-jitsu as much as we train jiu-jitsu at Travis's. Would have simply just uh, simply just would have you know tried to grapple, and it's like that doesn't speak volumes. Think about the interviews where I talk about the bodies in the trunk, you know. And it's like take it how you want to take it, you know. It's, I take it in a different manner. There you go, metaphorically speaking, I assume. Yeah, you know, my bad, my lawyer. <laughs> did. You know, I got you, man. Uh, I, I saw the post you you put on Twitter not too long ago. It was uh, a picture of Derek Brunson with the bleach blonde hair, and I believe it said "Spring Breakers this week." Be like, let's bleach our hair. So, do do you have do you have a preference on which on who you put the skilled violence upon? Natural haired Brunson, or do you want blonde haired Brunson on Saturday? They say blonde haired Brunson is the best Brunson, so I'll take Cisco. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I feel like Derek is. <laughs> one of the more underappreciated guys in this division. I mean, he's been around yeah. for a while. He's made the move to Sanford MMA. He's clearly gotten better. He's won the yeah. last three fights. Shabazian fight was pretty impressive. What have, what have you made of his run recently? He's dedicated, man. He's dedicated. You know, props to him. You know, he's been trying to get his stuff together for a long time. Since I've gotten the UFC, he's been trying to get his stuff together. You know, for as far as reaching out, as far as making moves, busted moves. And he's done what he's had to do to ultimately put himself in a better spot. But let's be real here. I hate to be like this, but it's like this is his run to a title. You know what I mean? This is his last run to a title. It's like he's putting everything and all behind this. He's like, what? How old is he? 30-something years old? 38 years old? You know, it's like I plan on being done with this shit at 34. You know, he's still over here scratching at this shit at 38. You know, it's like he's searching for something that's just not going to ever get there. It's like if he was to fight Israel Sanya again, like let's be real here. What's going to happen? You know, it's like if you're representing USA, you're going to go out there and get your ass whooped and make USA look bad. Sit down, take this ass whooping I'm about to give you and just let me go out there and make us look good. So that's what I do. Him, on the other hand, people don't even like him. You know, it's like how long has he been in the video game and nobody plays with him? You know, it's like I it's like I'm not I didn't want to have to go there. But let's be real here. His own family and friends, they used him the first couple of days just for support. But after that, they quit using him. People I don't even know, they use my character because they like the swag. They like the attitude and they just like who I am. You know what I mean? And because it's natural and it's true. If that's naturally true, who Derek Brunson is, he should not be on camera. He's not a people person. He's not the one that people want to talk about or be around. He should just sit back, take the ass whooping that this young man's going to give him, you know, and realize that his time has came and passed. And if he was ever going to be something, it was when he knocked out Leonardo Machida. You know, that was his fame at a belt. After that, it's a wrap. You're done, dog. How's it feel? You're finally in the game. I mean, it took long enough, right? Jeez yeah. Louise. It feels pretty. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. I play with my character. Uh, I don't know if my character sucks or I suck, but let's just <laughs> suck. So it is what it is. 
<laughs> we got to get that rating up, man. Good performance on Saturday. Boosts, boosts up that rating a little bit. Yeah, 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 man. You know, um, it'd be nice, but at the end of the day, I'm just happy to be in a video game. So if the rating sucks, at least I got there, and, you know, that's what's up. You know, at this point in time, I'm just worried about busting heads. If that builds, that builds the rating, awesome. You know, more beneficial for busting heads. You know, usually you just get free tattoos and don't get it twisted. I take full advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 wild the difference weeks make in the sport because the the hangover from UFC 259 seemed like it lasted forever. It almost like Saturday, like this past Saturday, this guy went under the radar, and then we had a main event, didn't have a completion, ends up in a no contest. So now we're ready to turn the page to the Saturday. You and you and Derek Brunson finally going to go at it. We need a main event to a completion, Kevin. How does this thing happen? Shit, DQ. I stomp on his head if he keeps running his fucking mouth. <laughs> Don't do that, Kevin. Come on. We don't need we don't need more any more DQs or no contests. All right. It, this this is the way it goes. Derek Brunson tries to hunt me. I sub him. Right? Derek Brunson tries to hunt me. I catch him with a nice shot on the way in. He goes to sleep. If Derek Brunson stays patient, he gets his ass whooped until he can't get his ass whooped no more. And then the fight's over. I mean sub crash bandit coop knockout or simply a good display of this most looking striking you've ever seen in the ufc looking fucking good and that's me baby let's go <laughs> all right i'll be reading those little comments everybody be putting on the post i'm out of off balance and unorthodox i look kung fu baby let's go <laughs> yeah so i'm down for whatever i just want to have a good time all i need Derek brunson to do is to cut me open because then i get two weeks off from the gym and I need that. You know what I mean? It's like, we've been working hard. I'd take two weeks off. You know what I mean? Last week of March, I'm trying to take somebody's nasty-ass daughter on the, the, the best vacation of their life. So we'll see what happens. What? Who's what? Yeah, Who, someone, someone's nasty-ass daughter on the vacation of their life. I don't know who's daughter <laughs> but, you know, there's somebody out there who wants their daughter to have a good time, you know, put them up for grabs. And there you, and, and there you are. The knight in shining armor, Kevin, Kevin Allen. How about that? <laughs> so, so, I mean, with these, with these big fights coming up in April, you know, this is an opportunity. You could slide back in there if something happened. Is that something that you're interested in? Or are you like, nah, this is a hard camp. Let's, let's, let's take a, take a couple, couple of weeks off. Look, two weeks off means that I'm ready to go first fight of April. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm done. You know what I mean? It just means, you know. I get to go uh, have a little fun under the sun for a couple of days. And then after I have fun underneath the sun, you know, back fly to, to Vegas and fight back to business, baby. I'm like Dennis Robinson. You know what I mean? I can go out and party hard as hell one night and then win a championship the next night. Don't play with me. You know what I mean? Don't play with me. I'll, I'll do it. Don't, don't tip me. You know what I mean? I'm going to see if anybody wants to go and sip Hallerhead before we go out there and fight. Don't play with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Last thing, we, I thought it was pretty cool to see you on on the Joe Rogan experience, biggest podcast on the planet, man. I mean, that's pretty cool to see you and Travis Luter get that shine, man. What was that experience? There's a there's a pun for you. What, what was that like for you? Ah, dude, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was just cool because you know, it was like I, I me, first show me and my mom ever watched, like you know what I mean, together when I was younger was was Fear Factor, and it was when Joe Rogan was the man on there, so you know what I mean, just being able to be around Joe, 
for me was, you know, was amazing. That was one of the greatest things about joining the UFC was like, man, I'm about to be able to get interviewed by Joe Rogan, you know what I mean? Talk to him about Fear Factor and, you know, I was trying to hope I could convince him to do one little show with me on there, you know what I'm talking about? But he wasn't talking about it, so. Oh, wow, I finished that guy. <laughs> wow, with a pistol. Oh, my God. Check me out. I'm about to die now. Don't die. Oh, I died. Ah, but I killed my- him with a pistol. One hand on the phone, one hand on the trigger. Let's go. Smoke him. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's my fault. It's my fault. You died. My boy expects me to die 20 times. He got 4,000 sitting over there so he can buy me back on Call of Duty. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. You're the man, Kevin. I, 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 this is why I enjoy these traditions. Tradition is an important thing, and we get to do these every, every fight week, and, and it's amazing. Is there uh, anything else you'd like to get off your chest before we wrap this thing up and you can go back and get your life back? Shout out to everybody who's on the shirt, especially Beer Roofing. I ain't been tagging you guys and playing a video game with you as much lately because I've been tired as hell, but... Shout out to Beer Roofing. You know what I mean? Love you guys. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in New York call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 and over age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario one no sweat bet per new customer issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The always animated Kevin Holland back on the show this week. Big time fight this Saturday with Derek Brunson. I am excited for it. 185 pounds, a lot of fun right now. Excited to see where Derek Brunson goes if he beats Kevin Holland. And I think Kevin Holland makes a huge jump if he wins this fight, especially if he gets a finish. There's a lot of people thinking that he could jump the queue altogether and fight Israel Adesanya next. It's possible. I don't think it happens. 
but it definitely puts them in a great spot to maybe get another win, two at the most, to get there. But again, we got two big main events coming up in, over the next month. We'll see what happens at 185 pounds with the big one. Big movement in this division goes down this Saturday between Brunson and Kevin Holland. Let's move ahead to a fighter in the top five at 135 pounds. She's getting ready to make her return. She's ready to make some noise. And she has heard Juliana Pena make some noise. And she doesn't quite agree with the Venezuelan vixen. In fact, she has her own idea for Juliana Pena. Let's hear from Aspen Ladd right now. All right, a lot going on in the UFC women's bantamweight division right now. So I wanted to check in and get an update from the number three ranked 35er in the world as we welcome Aspen Ladd to the program. Aspen, how are you? Hi, I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. First and foremost, we haven't seen you fight since your victory over Yana Kuditskaya. It was December of 2019. You had two fights booked last year, one with Juliana Pena. She withdrew due to an injury. Plus, the event was canceled, and then you were booked in June with Sarah McMahon. Then you injured your knee, tore your ACL and MCL. So I'm curious how the recovery is going. How are you feeling around nine or ten months into this thing? Well, technically, I had three fights booked. I was supposed to fight Juliana twice, and she pulled out due to injury. And then the second time, I don't know. And then they rebooked me with Sarah. And then we all know what happened before that fight, unfortunately. So I think I'm about like eight months post-op right now. And I'm feeling great. Um, I was just at the PI. Everything came back well. So we're easing back into full training. I should be good to go by July. So are you like, you say easing in, are you like technically cleared, but you're just kind of slow pacing or is it still like a process to get to that point? So yeah, I'm cleared. My knee, the joint is good. We're just easing in because everything else around it gets a, a little bit tweaked and pulled at this point. But the actual joint is doing great. It's just getting back into it the right way. So I don't have any more hiccups. Living where I live here in Massachusetts, there is hiking everywhere. I'm up in the Berkshires and I live in the mountains. So, I mean, you've been using hiking a lot. I've been seeing on Instagram and social media to aid with your rehab. How beneficial has that been for you and uh, in, in your furry friends as well? <laughs> it's extremely beneficial. I suspect the only reason that uh, my knee didn't blow out completely is because the density of muscle I have there from the years and years of hiking. But just getting back into it, like six weeks after surgery, for example, it was so bad because I couldn't do much of anything. So it was like a 40-minute mile, but now I'm back to what it was previously. And it's just a huge mental thing, mental, physical. You just feel better. Your name obviously has been coming up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, Aspen, amongst the fans because Amanda Nunes submits Megan Anderson at UFC 259. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about whether the 145 pound division will continue on, at least at a championship level. And there's clearly more options for her at 135 right now. Before we get into some of the big talking points and, and why your name has been brought up so much, what did you make of Amanda's performance against against Megan and that unique submission she landed in, in? Because one, that's not being discussed enough, and two, she's just on this unbelievable run right now. Right now, Amanda's on top of the world, and she's amazing. She's a great fighter. Megan went out, and unfortunately, she looked like she was terrified the entire time. I mean, you're already in there. You you, you got to do it. But but being that afraid, I think she got too much into her own head. But I could be wrong. And Amanda's amazing, but she needs an opponent that's not going to be scared of her. I felt like the tide, you know, like on social media, you saw like Megan walk in 
and she had the look on her face. And I was talking to Laura Sanko like a few days afterwards. And she said, sometimes they film those shots like two or three times. So sometimes that's frustration peeling over and not really fear. So when she came in and walked to the octagon, I was like, all right, she actually looks like she's ready to go. But that first shot that Amanda landed, it changed everything. Did, did Is that what you saw as well? Or did you feel like she was kind of out of the fight before it even began? I saw the trepidation before it began. I, I think she was a little bit out of it mentally before it began. But as I said, it could be wrong. Of course, one of the names that has been put at the forefront of these discussions is your good friend, Juliana Pena. She submitted Sarah McMahon in her last fight. She was scheduled to fight Holly Holm later on this year. That fight's no longer happening. So Juliana has been very vocal about wanting this title shot with Amanda at 135 feeling that she deserves this opportunity. She's a fresh matchup, et cetera. She's been doing a bunch of interviews, cutting some promos, and she really wants this fight. What have you made of her presence over the last couple of weeks and her belief that she deserves this next title shot? And she's doing what she, uh, everything that she needs to do to get the most attention possible for it. Uh, she's trying to get all kinds of, I think I heard a rumor that she, she wanted a tough show against Amanda, but I highly doubt that will happen. So she's promoting herself in the best way that she can, probably. But the thing is, she doesn't make the decisions Amanda does. And Amanda just fought at 45. She doesn't fight often. And if she's coming back down to 35, especially if they're going to ask the, the 45 division, it's going to be a long time before that fight even materializes. And in that case, uh, she definitely needs to be fighting me before she fights Amanda. Dana White was asked about this fight right after UFC 259 in my eyes. Like I, I felt like Dana thought it was an option, but it didn't seem like anything he was like jumping up and down about. He just said, yeah, we could make that fight. So, I mean, if, like you said, if we're up to you, you think the fight with between you and Juliana would make the most sense. Maybe we determine a number one contender that makes the most sense in your eyes. Absolutely. I mean, nobody really knows. Well, there, there's some things going on with the other uh, people in the top five and the ones that are ranked above me and below me. So everybody's either got a dance partner, a medical problem, or is holding out for who knows what with their contract. So it's the only fight that makes sense. And by the time I'm back, so I haven't been very vocal, obviously, because I'm recovering from a major knee surgery. So I just went to the PI. I've been rehabbing for months, and I'm at the point now where I have a, like a, a timeline of when I'll be back. And by that time, I highly doubt those, that fight will have materialized. And it makes no sense. It makes no sense for her to jump ahead and get the fight just because she's talking a little trash. But you know how the game works. I do know how the game works. And it's it, it, she is a fresh matchup. But, uh, you know, just kind of looking at the rankings and the division, you got you at number three. There's Jermaine Durandamy at number one who has wins over Juliana and has a win over you. But she's lost to Amanda twice. But when I talked to Jermaine after she submitted Juliana, she said, I will put my career on the line to fight Amanda one more time. Like if I get in there, fight her for the belt and lose, I will retire right there. And then obviously Holly's dealing with some stuff. Irene Aldana just lost to Holly and Yana Kunitskaya, who you beat, is the only fighter on a win streak in the top six right now. So there's a lot, a lot of moving parts right now, right? Like this has got to be kind of interesting. You sitting on the outside, looking to get back, watching this division, try to shape up. We'll see how uh, Yana's next fight goes. Cause depending on that one, maybe they'll, they'll decide to match me that victor if they don't do Pena. Um, but who knows? Yana's doing great. So I think people look at her as a, an easy fight when they definitely shouldn't. She's on a streak right now. Uh, I'm saying that because I might have possibly had a fight booked and that person decided to take another fight first, assuming that that person's going to be an easy fight. And she's definitely not going to be. What do you mean? 
I can't necessarily give the name, but there's not that many of us in the top. Like, <laughs> you can probably figure it out. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> not fighting her now. All right. That makes sense. What did you think of Juliana's performance against Sarah? I mean, Sarah's one of the best wrestlers in the division. Were you impressed with that performance, her her, her ability to, to get to that position and get the stoppage in the third round? Sarah's an incredible athlete, an incredible wrestler. She's one of the best in the world at what she does, but she's never translated over too well to MMA. Obviously, I was preparing to fight for um, before I got injured. Her problem is when it starts getting tough, she tends to break. So Juliana went out with the perfect game plan, essentially what ours was beforehand, and she won the fight. I was not shocked by the outcome at all. I think they're both great fighters, and obviously McMahon is wonderful at what she does, but she just doesn't quite—it doesn't quite translate to MMA. What I was thinking about the other day is like when Juliana was going on the media tour, I was just like, you know, what would piss a lot of people off, and probably appeal to Amanda if you just came back and said, you know what, my knee's good. I'll go up to 145 and fight Amanda for that title. Like Amanda would probably prefer that if we're being honest, so she doesn't have to cut that extra weight. That'd be some some pretty cool chess moves right there. I'd prefer that. I mean, but <laughs> it is, it's, uh, it's not easy making 35, and I know for Amanda it isn't. But I heard rumors they're going to get rid of the entire 45 division. What do you know about that? I know that reports came out, like Megan was on her Twitch channel, and she said that they're getting rid of the division. Now there is a fight coming up in May between Felicia Spencer and Danielle Wolf, but from everything that I've been told, there is no discussion to get rid of the division as a whole. And it's going to be around as long as Amanda wants to keep defending both titles, which she does want to do at this point. So if, I mean, if she has the option to defend 145 or go down to 135, something tells me she's going to prefer the former, you know, that's not even an option. I mean, if she has the problem is she's lacking contenders, but she's lacking them in both. And the other problem is a lot of the 35 chicks, like look at the 45 division and um, or the 45 tough show. Every single one of those women that came through, they dropped. It's like you just need legitimate fights at 45. I don't know. I would like to fight both. I always have. So if if you came back and the UFC approached you saying, listen, Amanda wants to fight at 45. Why don't you hop up and fight her? I'm sure you're jumping on that, right? Absolutely. Obviously, I'd like to have the Juliana fight first. Or one of the other women but if they came out and said hey you want this fight it was like well shit send me back on the horse all right <laughs> if they book nunez and pena next for the bantamweight title how do you think that plays out i think juliana is a more legitimate contender than anybody she's fought recently i think she has a little it'll, it'll be the grappling that brings it in but amanda her only thing that she's ever showed in my opinion, is a little bit of lack in cardio. And when she gets to the ground, it's not really all that fast pace. So I think Juliana has a uh, a better shot. Do I think she'll come out victorious? No. But do you think her her, her style and stuff could, could pose some threats? Of course. But anybody at that level can pose some threats. It's just who's going to have the better night. That's a good point. If If they make that fight... I'm sure, I mean, there's options for you, obviously. We just ran down a whole bunch of them, but I mean, I'm sure you'd love to run it back with Jermaine. There's there's Arena, maybe Holly down the road when, whenever she's ready to come back. What sort of sticks out to you if the Pena fight isn't there for you next? It was Raquel Pennington, so I've always wanted to fight her. I just think it'd be a fun, fun fight. And I'll, so I, I'm still fairly young in the sport, right? Right. Before I ever made UFC or I was watching these chicks fight, it's like, I want to fight you, you, and you. 
So it'd be cool to get some of those like OG matches, you know? Kind of go in there and get those stripes, right? Against Get some of those names on the resume. Pretty much, but it's not even that. So they're all legit. But with Raquel, she'll stand there and she'll bang. And I love that kind of fight. Like, it's not going to be a chase them. It'll be a brawl. So yeah. that's why I was about potentially that one. But who knows how everything is going to work out. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time right now. Luckily for you, you've been able to keep yourself very busy with this time off. Like I saw you have a YouTube channel. You got the website, theaspenlad.com. Let the folks know about these projects. What can they expect if they go to the YouTube page or go to the website? What can they find at either? Yeah, so when you're forced to sit out for months on end due to surgery and rehab and all that stuff, you, you need to stay busy. But it really opened my eyes to the lack of, not just in my own life, but branding, self-promotion. And a lot of fighters, at least people that I know personally, don't really attend any of that. It's just other people in their life, they basically, they take, but they don't set you up kind of thing. Fighters have to look out for their own future and their own after fighting, basically. You need to set yourself up. So in the time I've been off, I've been working on self-promotion, branding, YouTube, website, everything that I should have done years ago but never really had the time to do. It's a new journey. So in a weird way, like obviously getting injured is, is not great. It's terrible. But at the same time, in a weird way, deep down, is this kind of like a blessing in disguise in a way, because it opened these doors for you that maybe you wouldn't have walked through had this injury not occurred. I've definitely met some neat people. Um, you're definitely silver linings kind of guy, aren't you? I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's been some good that's come out of it, but I, I don't ever want to do this again. I'll tell you that much. That's true. But at least you're, you've set yourself up in some ways, you yeah. know, either way, right? At least keeps you busy, like between fights too. Like if, you know, you have yeah. a fight, you got a few weeks off, you can, you got some stuff to work on. Oh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I have it all set up now because it's very time consuming. What's so time, like, what are some of the things that you're doing for that? If Like in terms of the branding, the self-promotion, like what, what sort of in particular are you working on? What's, what, what can people find kind of at the top of the list? Right now. So it's, and it's a little bit different because I'm starting to come back into fighting now. I'm going to be getting into camp pretty soon. So the time's going down for me. It's really finding good people and having good people around you. I'm not just talking like sponsorships, promotions. I'm talking about people that uh, look out for your best interests financially. So it's like you, you, if you have an injury, you go to a doctor, right? If you have money and you need to do something with it, you go to an investor, you go to somebody, an accountant, somebody that knows better than you. So there's people that do this in branding and in MMA. I think it's really just connecting with the right people. For me, I work a lot with Amanda England, and she's done very, very good. And it's having somebody that looks out for your best interest and is able to put the pieces together in a way that you might not necessarily think about. So that's not what I do. I'm a fighter. So it's really going out and connecting with the right people and then moving forward as a team. That's And that's so beneficial for you to, to learn these lessons at a young age because, I mean, I talk to fighters who are in their upper 30s, early 40s. They haven't figured this part of it out yet. So that's huge for you to figure this out now. Shoot, I'm still, I'm figuring it out as I go, but it's just, it feels better to have started. Did I see that there's another member of the Ladd family that's about to get a fighting career started? Did I see you have a brother who's about to debut? When, when is this happening? 
Yeah, that is my giant little brother. He's going to be fighting at 2.05 this time. Uh, Shayla, it's in two weeks. So he's been wanting to fight forever. And he turned 18 in December. And since I've been trying to get a fight with COVID, it's been hard. But he finally has one in Utah. So we're all road tripping out there. Um, it's going to be awesome. Nice. How, how long has he been uh, in the game training and, and getting himself ready, at least for the 18th birthday to roll along so he could have this opportunity to fight? Oh God, he did. He started karate when he was young and he's been going to the gym with me forever. So Shaler's been doing it for probably five or six years now, at least. Is he still in school? What was that? Is he still in school? He is. He's a senior though. He's finishing up, but with um, like COVID, like, I don't know if he's ever going to get to go back to actual school. So I hope he does. Cause last year he was doing really good in wrestling. So he he's been doing MMA and karate forever. He got into wrestling, did great. And uh, then he just couldn't do it anymore because everything shut down. Good on him. We wish him the best of luck. Uh, by the way, F Fluffy Hernandez, what a performance. What a fight. Uh, a couple, I think I'm trying to remember February, I believe. What an upset. No one gave him a chance to win. He goes out there and submits a former multi-time ADCC champion. I mean, that must have been ridiculous for you to watch. What, what did you think of Anthony's performance and uh, and what it has led to? The the bonus and him being able to, to help his family out, give the kids the house they wanted is what he told me. What was that like for you to see, to see him have that moment? At this point, Fluffy's basically one of my other brothers. We've been together forever. It was like, it, it's hard to even describe. It's like, he's one of the ones where he fights, like, it, I feel like I'm going to throw up the entire time. Like, I'm, I'm fine fighting myself, but if I really care about somebody, it's really, really bad. Like, a couple of weeks in Utah is going to be really, really bad. So, it, it was a huge sigh of relief and just being extremely happy. It's like, oh, okay, yay. So, that's basically what it felt <laughs> Like, I can't even, it's, it's hard, man. When he got taken down, we were just like, uh Oh, and then he was able to get back to his feet and you saw that, you know, his opponent was, was super tired and Anthony started getting off. He was landing those big shots, but the, but he wouldn't go down and finally gets a submission. I was just like, man, this is such a wild ride. So for you, is it more nerve wracking for you watching teammates, family, et cetera, fight as opposed to when you fight? Way harder. And no, I wasn't shocked when he got his submission. That is like what we call it the fluffy teen at the gym. He gets, and he's been doing that in his fights forever. He gets everybody with it. I, but I, I did hear, I believe in his corner at gym and everybody, no, 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 don't do it. <laughs> but he, he got it. Unbelievable. That was a great performance. You obviously have a lot going on these days, Aspen. Uh, I appreciate the time very much. Looking forward to this return. Anything else you want to let the folks know about before we wrap this thing up? Just a huge thank you for having me on and uh, you guys will be seeing me back soon hopefully against Pena, but we'll see if she gets what she wants. Any, uh, any message you want to send Juliana's way before you say goodbye? I I've made it this long without talking trash. I think I'm going to keep it. Aspen Ladd making her debut on the show. Listen, that's what she wants. She wants the fight with Juliana Pena. She understands if the UFC decides to book Nunes versus Pena, she actually thinks Pena matches up pretty well stylistically, but she wants to fight with Pena. She said, hey, we booked this thing twice. Let's settle the score and then we can start talking title fights at 135 pounds. Either way, I'm excited to see Aspen Ladd back in the octagon competing soon. And uh, that's good. That's good for the division. It's good to see Aspen back. She's one of the exciting prospects in the women's divisions. No doubt about it. One fighter who will be competing soon, 
Trevin Giles. In fact, he'll be fighting this Saturday at UFC Vegas 22. Let's hear from Mr. Giles right now. All right, we move ahead to our next guest. Here turns to action this Saturday at UFC Vegas 22. He takes on Roman Delize. Trevin Giles joins us on the program and on Fight Week. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So a little uh, behind the scenes chat here. Took us a while to get this thing going between getting the, the audio to work and then getting everybody to stay in the room to produce this thing. I mean, technology is a is a son of a gun, is it not, Trevin? Yeah, yeah, it is. It, well, it is. We've been struggling for a little bit, but we got it. I wanted to say much filthier language than son of a gun, but I caught myself. But uh, I, I appreciate you joining me, man, uh, especially on Fight Week. As we have all learned over the last year, especially, card is subject to change is a is a very real thing. You were supposed to face uh, Drickus Duplessis on this card, and unfortunately he had visa issues and was forced out of the fight. So I'm curious, when were you made aware that things were getting switched up and you were getting a new opponent? Just like a couple of days ago. I want to say it was Saturday. So not too bad. It's better than the crowd situation when you find out, what, the day before? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that time it was under a little bit of different circumstances because, you know, the guy had some issues with his weight and ended up having to get hospitalized. Uh, he tried to cut too much. But um, it was kind of similar to uh, actually when I fought um, my last fight, Bevin. I was supposed to fight uh, uh John Young Park, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and then he had visa issues too, so we, we it, didn't, it didn't happen. I mean, it's just part of it's part of the sport, and it's part of kind of like this world we're living in right now, where things can just happen mm -hmm. and things switch up all the time, so it's hard to get comfortable. But uh, especially the guy like with Drickus, he had a great debut. He had a lot of buzz coming into the UFC, coming from the international circuit, the EFC champion, former KSW champion, had a great first round stoppage against Marcus Perez. Losing the opponent, obviously, it's it's happened to you before. It's out of your control. But were you kind of bummed that you were losing out on a on a chance to derail that train a little bit? No, I mean, I, I never, I never think about trying to derail anybody's uh, train or anything like that. I mean, I think it's good when guys get hype behind them, you know, get some more fans and stuff. We all kind of have the same goal, you know. Everybody wants to go in there and and uh, just you know have good performances and and make some money. So uh, people are hyped up. I, I never mind that, but um, I, I was so that my intention isn't to derail any train, but just to beat them, you know. So. Uh, whenever I have an opponent in mind and I'm supposed to fight somebody, I have a mindset to fight them. Um, I always like to be able to just to get that done because that's what I've been visualizing, you know. So more than anything, uh, it's just upsetting. I won't be able to get the opportunity to do that right now. So you don't you, I mean, there's a lot of fighters out there who like look for chips on, to find heading into these fights to add to their shoulders. You're, you're not that kind of a guy. You don't need a chip. You just know you're going in there to fight somebody and try to make some money. Yeah, man, it's a it's a it's a competition. I mean, we can be competitive and stuff like that. That's fine. But um, I don't know any of these guys before I fight them, you know, so um, and I don't need to look for a reason to be angry or or, or not like the guys to, to put hands on them. Um, for me, it's a sport, you know, I mean, that's it. Right. So, I mean, I, we can fight and then afterwards I'll shake your hand like I always do. Uh, it's, it's nothing personal for me. When I saw that Roman Delize was your opponent, my third, well, my first thought was, all right, short notice, maybe Trevin's like, forget a weight cut, 
he's going to fight him at 205 since Roman's entire career was either at 205 or at heavyweight. And it turns out he's going to make the drop to 185 on short notice. Did you kind of have a double take when you found out you were fighting Roman Delize at 185 pounds? Um, I, to be honest, I didn't, I, I didn't know who he was. Um, I got, uh, I ended up finding out I wasn't fighting my last opponent. And then, um, one of my coaches, uh, sent me his name and, and said, Hey, you know, we might want to jump on this, uh, tonight or whatever, because of, you know, whatever reason. So then I was just like, let's do it. Right. And then I started looking at film and stuff afterwards. Um, and then, I, and then, and I didn't even know he was fighting at, at light heavy or anything like that until I watched film and then started seeing people, you know, talk about it and talk about how he's cutting down and stuff. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't think much of it, man. I, right now I'm just glad to still uh, be able to fight this weekend. So nothing really changes for you whatsoever. Same mentality, same game plan. Maybe, you, maybe some things change a little bit just based on watching film, but for the most part, nothing's really changing from one opponent to the next. That's right, man. I just try to keep myself in the same mental space. I don't want to get all tripped out about opponent switching. It seems like that's the name of the game now, right? I mean, these days that's just kind of how it's going to happen. So uh, just kind of got to go with it. It's funny, like talking to different fighters because some are like fully engulfed in the fight game and they watch every single event and every single fight. And I know you're like, you're a busy guy, you're a police officer, you got a million things going on, but do you try to like separate yourself from the sport or do, or do you at least try to watch whatever you're available to watch when it comes to like being a fan of the sport? Yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a fan of a couple of fighters. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a fan of the sport. Um, there are, there are always, um, I always get people like, Hey, did you see such and such fight? Right. Like, and there are just so many people that I'm not aware of. Right. Just cause I, I don't really watch it that much. Right. Not unless, uh, not unless there's like a, you know, a big event going on, you know, like if you, anytime you get John Jones fighting Conor McGregor, like, the, you know, the big names and stuff like that. And then, you know, some of the guys that I know as well, right. If I, if I see some of those guys fighting, then, uh, or I know they're getting, getting ready to fight, then I'll watch. But other than that, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the sport. Uh, it's a lot more fun when you know somebody that's fighting. But it's, I guess it's kind of like, I talked to Max Holloway about a month ago and he just, the fact that he separates from himself from the sport completely is like so refreshing to him. Like he fights, goes through fight week, has his performance, and then he's just gone until he has, you know, signs for his next fight. And it's like so refreshing to him. Is it kind of like that for you? Like just being able to separate yourself from the sport and, you know, be Trevin, the person, Trevin, the police officer, and then Trevin, the fighters, like a completely different person at a completely different time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely like that. I mean, for me, even just being a police officer outside of my uniform, I'm, I don't think about being a police officer. I don't think about doing any of that stuff outside of fighting. I don't think about fighting. I mean, fighting is stressful, man. I mean, when you know that you're getting ready to, to, to go and fight somebody and they could possibly hurt you and, and you just, you know, you get, you got a bunch of confidence going on, but then you got doubts and, and there's just a bunch of stuff that goes on in your head, you know? So uh, whenever it's all said and done, um, I like for it to be, to be done. Right. Like I don't, I don't go and, and, and think about fighting or anything like that again, until I start getting into camp. Um, and then it, it, it feels good again. Right. Because other than that, I'd be, if I did anything other than that, I think I'd, I'd just be stressed, stressed out. And I think I'd, I think it'll burn you out if you're, if you're always about fighting. So I agree with, with Holloway. It's, it's a lot easier separating yourself. 
speaking of fighting, you looked great in your last fight, but it was, I mean, it's been quite the road to get there. I mean, you had the two losses, you had the, like we talked about the, the James Krause thing where you had the opponent switch in a day. Then the, the thing with before the Kevin Holland fight where you fainted, but you get back in there in November and you stop a very tough guy in Bavon Lewis in the third round. After everything you had gone through over the last 18 months, maybe a little more than that, what did it feel like to go in there, have that kind of performance and, and get a finish like that? I mean, it, it felt good, man. I mean, you can't you can't stop life from happening to you, right? I mean, sometimes we go through all these rough patches and stuff. I mean, you just gotta have enough uh, enough uh, faith to know everything's gonna gonna come together, right? So when I had that fight and everything came together the way I needed to, it felt good. Um, it, it just lets you it it, it makes you it, it makes you understand how how uh, important it is not to quit and not to hang your head down, right? So uh, stuff will happen and it, it is what it is, but yeah. Whenever uh, when I got that fight and I actually got to finish him and everything, it uh, it did feel good. I, I feel like I got some momentum behind me now. Finding out you were, because I remember like everything with with the Kevin Holland thing, and you know, there's like a certain rule, especially now in MMA, like you know, a fight isn't official until both guys are in the octagon. We even saw it with Chad Skelly; he's in the octagon, and Jamal Emmers had back spasms; he didn't even make it out to the octagon. So it's just like a strange situation. Yeah. But finding out that the reason you fainted and I saw your Instagram post the next day was due to some heart issues. Was that kind of a scary thing for you? Did you, was there a part of you that's like, man, like this is, this is crazy. Why is this happening? Like I might not be able to do this anymore. Yeah, it was scary. I mean, anytime something happens and then it threatens your career um, and not just your career, man, but when you start talking about your life, right. I mean, I, I had a bunch of weird, uh, weird people. Um, a lot of, uh, MMA fans and stuff like that, they like to, I, for some reason, it's it's more entertaining for them to feel like I was afraid. So I, I fainted and, and I don't know, it was some kind of way of me to get out of the fight or something. Right. <laughs> but, um, it's weird, man. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but anyway, so, but yeah, just, just hearing that at first it was, it was like, I didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, I, I just wasn't aware of anything that was going on. And then uh, I, I saw the everybody around me and then um, they kind of had funny looking like looks on their faces. Um, we ended up, I ended up saying I felt fine because I did, you know, I mean, once I came to, I felt fine. I didn't know what happened at first. I was like, I I know damn well Holland didn't knock me out. Right. Like <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know if the fight was over or something, you know? So, um, but uh, I ended up getting transported to the hospital, got to the hospital few nurses and stuff were around me and then uh they started looking at my monitor funny and um then the doctor came up and he's just like he said that my uh my heart stopped for a, a decent period of time but it was weird because i was talking to one of my coaches apparently while my heart stopped right um and he said they'll just keep a close look on me so i spent the night there they said it happened a couple more times overnight and then it stopped happening so I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, when stuff like that happens, you think about your career and you think about your family, you know, I mean, that's, those are, I mean, more than anything, your family. Right. So I don't know. I, I didn't know if my life was just going to change after that, but I haven't had any issues since. So I'm good. And I'm gonna keep going. Did you, end, cause I know in that Instagram post, you said you were going to go see a cardiologist and try to get some answers. Did you, did you end up doing that? Yeah. I mean, even while I was, uh, they were putting doing all types of tests on me while I was in Vegas, and then uh, they wanted to keep me. 
So I told them, you know, no, I, I want to go home to my family, right? They're worried about me and stuff. So uh, I had uh, some doctors and stuff I know down here. Um, they they put me in a room with some specialists and stuff. And they started, I mean, it seemed like every day a needle was getting stuck in me. And I'd always had to have all this crap sticking to my skin and stuff. Um, but th- from what they were saying is they I looked healthy to them. Um, and they don't know why... Uh, I had heart issues when I was when I was backstage over there. They don't know what was going on in Vegas, uh, but they said I look fine right now. And they were just saying keep an eye on it. And if it happens again, come back in. Um, like I said, I haven't had any issues. And when I was in Vegas, they said they saw it happen multiple times overnight, but then it stopped. Um, so again, I don't know. I mean, so when I got to Houston, they didn't really see much. They saw that I was healthy, and we set up the next fight. Yeah, and then you got a knockout. So there you go. Yeah. It's a all's yeah. all's well that ends well, I guess. I mean, yeah. middleweight in the middleweight division right now, it's really interesting. There's a lot of big fights at 85 over the next month or so. One of them is in the main event this Saturday with Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. Do you feel like 185 is as interesting as it's ever been now with like all these new contenders emerging, the champion being Israel Adesanya? Do you see a lot of opportunity in this division right now? Yeah, I to me in my opinion, and not even just saying it because I'm in the division, but I think it's, it is the most exciting division um, because you have the perfect mix of of knockout power and skill, right? So, I mean, you, you look at heavyweights, heavyweights are kind of starting to get more athletic and stuff and, 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 and look better. Uh, but for the most part, they're, they're like, they're bruisers, right? Like they just come out to, to land a, a shot and put you away, right? I mean, there's usually not a whole bunch of technique that's put towards it, but, and then you get down to 205, it's, it's similar, uh, but they have a little more skill and the, but not as good cardio. And then you get to 185 and there's like the mixture. Right. And then it kind of, the power and stuff starts going down once you, once you get there, right. Like fights last longer once you start going to the smaller weight classes. So I think the middleweight division is definitely the most scariest because um, guys are athletic and, and, and they can kind of do it all, you know? So right now I think it's very exciting. I mean, like you said, there's not a lot of time to like prepare for Roman. You watch a little bit of film on him. You're not a guy that watches all the time. So you you weren't even familiar with him when you got the name, but from what you've seen, like in the film that you've watched and the, in the fights you've seen with Roman, what what have you made of his rise? You know, he's eight. No, what what have you made of a skill set and kind of the openings you see in this fight on Saturday? I think um, I think his his best uh, thing that he's got going for him is just his confidence, um, and I can't. He's he seems very confident. Uh, I, I think that uh, my edge is going to be um, my athleticism and my my striking and my speed. I don't think that he's going to be able to deal with that. Um, I expect him to try to uh, mix up his his striking to try to get me worried about his striking to to get a little respect with his striking and then try and sneak a takedown on me uh, to slow down uh, my game and stuff. But um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that he's 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 a decent fighter. I don't think that he's um, I don't think that he's somebody that that's uh, he doesn't look like an easy guy to put away. I mean, nobody's done it right. So. It's interesting, and he's kind of unpredictable with his leg locks. I'd see he'd like drop down, like 
from somebody's open guard and try to grab a leg lock, right? Or a heel hook, <laughs> right? So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think he's going to be a fun fight. I think it'll be a fun fight. I think it'll be one that's good for uh, the fans and everybody to look at. Um, it, it'll be good. It'll be an entertaining fight. Apparently he's been looking to make the move to 85 for a little while. So I think he's already been trying to cut down and, and slim down to get there. Is there a part of you that's concerned? You know, like you said, it's, it's a big drop off between, 205 and 185. That's a, that, that's a big drop. Are you concerned about mm. possible, especially with the short notice? Are you concerned that maybe a hiccup on the scale because, or are you just not concerned because it's not in your control? It's, it's not in my control. Uh, it, it concerns me a little bit, you know, um, I trust that he's going to get there. You know, I don't think that a guy that's coming from 205 or that's always been fighting heavier, it just takes a short notice. And he's like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just uh, kill my body and get there. You know, hopefully he's not doing that. Right. So I already imagined that he was probably already uh, set to try and make a 205, a, a 185 appearance. Um, but it, it worries me a little bit. Right. You never know what, what guys are doing or what they're going through, you know. So um, it worries me a little bit. I already had one opponent that uh, can't fight. And now if I end up having another one that can't fight, that's going to be irritating to me. Right. Because who knows if, if, uh, somebody else pops up, right. If, if not, then I got to wait, you know, so we'll see what happens. Like you said, it's out of my control. So we'll see. Well, I'm a silver linings guy. I'm a positive thinker. Let's, uh, all things good. Both of you guys make way. We step into the octagon on Saturday. How do you see this thing playing out? Um, I think that, uh, he seems to be patient. So I think that it'll, it'll start off being a little chess match. Maybe it just, it all really just depends on what you see when you get out there. But, um, like I said, I think that I'm going to have the speed advantage. I think my striking is going to be better than his. Um, and I see him trying to, uh, to close the distance. And I, I expect to be catching him with some nice shots and, and, and probably finish him. If he, if he's, if he's out there and he's, and he's sluggish, um, I know he's been cutting weight, so maybe he's a little bit faster, but, um, if he's if he's sluggish, I'll finish him at uh, maybe end of the first or uh, maybe towards the, the middle of the second. I, I wanted to get your take on something because you said something earlier that kind of boggled my mind when we were talking about the uh, the heart issue and fans hitting you up, thinking that you were, you were ducking and you were afraid to fight Kevin Holland. And I, it's something that I saw you post on social media as well after the Conor McGregor Dustin Poirier fight. Because I know you took umbrage with with some people and some fans, sort of giving. Connor a hard time about the loss mm. and, and everything. And and we're seeing a lot of that when it comes to what happened in the fight between Aljamain Sterling and Piotr Jan with the illegal knee. And you know, this as well as anybody, it can be pretty rough on the interwebs at times being part of this sport. What is that like, man? Like as a fighter to deal with these kinds of things and how do you navigate that stuff? Because it's probably hard to ignore and you don't want to drive yourself too crazy with it. Well, I mean, it's annoying, man. I mean, you, you just got to get to a point where you understand that these people aren't in your position. That's where they're talking. Right. I mean, you can, these same people, if they, if they could uh, watch what happened to me and, and have something to say or say that I'm scared and all that other stuff. The reason why you don't really see fighters saying stuff like that is because they actually have to fight. Right. So if they got to fight next week, they don't want to be talking right now and then get knocked unconscious by somebody next week. Right. Um, it's, it's just real, you know, like, uh, and a lot of fighters know that things happen, right? I mean, we, we put our bodies through a lot, so, um, stuff happens, but it, it gets, it's, it's very annoying. It, it, it's extremely annoying, especially when you, I mean, before I made it to the UFC, I was, uh, 
I want to say I was I was nine and zero or eight and zero, one of those uh, with with all finishes but one. Right, I was finishing everybody like crazy, and then I came into the UFC, got two finishes, knockout finishes. Then I stopped and went to the police academy, came back, took a couple losses, and now it's like everything. Everybody forgets everything, right? Or if you have a heart problem, right? They can know you have a heart problem, but for some reason, it's just more entertaining if I was scared, right? So <laughs> I, I don't know, man. And and it doesn't help that um, people, I mean, people say things. I mean, even Dana, right? Like Dana will say stuff, right? And he's he's a civilian too, right? It's not like he's he's somebody who's getting out of there and putting anything on the line, right? So he he says stuff too. Like he 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 basically led towards me being scared. He's like, Oh, you know, these are big events and you know, some of these guys can handle it. Some of these guys can't. And, and so he'll say stuff like that. So when fans hear stuff like that and it's coming from Dana now it's like, Oh, well, Dana's saying it. Right. So, right. It's like some, for some reason he has some kind of credibility there uh, when he's never had to really lace up and, 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 and do the job, you know? Um, and it doesn't help also when, you know, I mean, Holland was was talking too. You know, he was like, "Oh, he, I think he said I held my breath or something like that to get out of the fight. I held my breath and passed out." But you know, he 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 made it clear that he was uh, he was just upset that the fight didn't happen and stuff. So I won't go too much on that. But um, when people hear that, it, it becomes an entertaining uh, thing for them to just keep it going, right? Like, oh, he was scared, right? It's that's the fun thing. It's I guess it's much more fun than me having heart issues. It's crazy, man. So crazy. It's like, and you kind of just want to see the meat a little humble pie once in a while. Like, especially like when they say that and then they find out you have heart issues, you're like, Ooh, probably, sh- probably yeah. should take that comment back. Right. And then they won't, right? Like they, <laughs> they don't care, man. They don't care. These people are ruthless, man. They, they, these, these people are like, ah, man, it's just natural to feel like hurting these people. Right. But they're just, there's no telling who they are. I mean, they could be unhappy people people that don't have stuff going on for them in their own lives. And you just don't know. Right. So I don't know. I just, I try not to think about it too much, but it, it's annoying. Yeah. I mean, I think at the same time, it kind of feels like the sports made it in a way because you see this in every other sport too. Like Tom Brady, like I, I'm a, I'm a Boston guy, big Tom Brady fan. Even when he went to Tampa, I'm still going to take, take pride in that victory, but people just hate Tom Brady for no reason. He's just a, a guy who wins and people just hate him. It's just, yeah, it's, it's wild. Man, I think it's people don't like success that much, right? I mean, if you get, you get people that, uh, I think that it has to do with people's own internal issues, right? If you get somebody who never loses, I mean, you get a guy that loses that stuff in life and then that guy sees somebody who's not losing, he's winning. Then it's just like, now they want to wait for him to lose and they want to wish him a loss because, it means that they're not as bad, right? It's like, oh, well, if he loses, then maybe I don't suck so much, right? Like, so they try to push it off on somebody else, you know? So I think that's all it is. I think that's why people wanted to see Floyd lose too, is because you have to lose. For some reason, in people's mind, you have to. You just, you have to, right? But you don't, right? So I don't know. I I don't know. I, I think people aren't happy, man. There are a million bad ways to start your morning off. The no coffee traffic jam, the soggy morning jog, the why is the dog taking so long? Just go already walk. But you can unleash your ideal day with a perfect shower using Method hair care products. Designed with high quality ingredients, Method's new range of shampoos and conditioners will give your hair undeniable softness and shine. And hey, if you're a night shower kind of person, that's great too. 
Try pure peace infused with peony, rose water, and quinoa protein. Or Simply Nourish, crafted with coconut, rice milk, and shea butter. Or Daily Zen, made with cucumber, seaweed, and green tea. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Shop methodproducts.com. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Should be a fun fight on Saturday between Trevin Giles and Roman Delize. I don't think that one's going the full 15, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think it does. But we'll see how it plays out. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I will be, though. But another fighter looking to... uh. Have a short night at the office in his own right in Las Vegas, Nevada this Saturday is the man making his debut at 155 pounds after an unbeaten start to his featherweight career in the UFC. Let's hear from Grant the Prophet Dawson. All right, one of the brightest prospects in the UFC returns to the program this week and returns to the Octagon March 20th, heads to the UFC lightweight division to take on Leonardo Santos. Hell of a fight right there. Grant Dawson, the man behind Dawson Airlines, joins us once again. How are you, man? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. So I I have to get your take on something right off the bat, non-fight related, because when this news came to light, Grant, you were the first person I thought of because we've talked about it so much. You've been trying to sell me on it. Gina Carano, no longer a part of the Mandalorian. And we don't need to get into politics or anything of that nature. But in terms of the actual program, is this a giant hit to it? Because I, I'm sorry, I still haven't watched a second of it yet. Uh, I don't know if it's a giant hit to the show as a whole. It's going to be really hard to to uh, hurt that show right now because it's done so well. I will say, though, we were just starting to – if you haven't seen the second season, we started diving into her her backstory, and it really looked like she was going to be a big character for the next couple of seasons. And so uh, her leaving, I don't know if it hurts the show, but it's definitely a disappointment. I was, I was definitely hoping for uh, some backstory with her. And 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 seeing her relationship with the uh, with the Mandalorian grow, but you know it is what it is. I'm sure the show will be fantastic with or without her, and and it does suck what happened. And and you know I I'd be lying if I didn't say it's it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, it is what it is, man. You gotta you gotta roll with the punches. She's doing fine for herself. Yeah. Um, in terms of the fights, of I, I did want to start this past weekend at UFC 259 because I just spoke with Tim Elliott. 
I thought his performance was ridiculous. I thought he looked tremendous. I thought it was one of his very best against a really tough guy in Jordan Espinoza. And I was talking with Laura Sanko about it the other day as well. I called it like a workmanlike performance from him. Like he's still kind of a wild man, but it was like a more composed wild man that was in that octagon. Like, what did you think watching Tim fight on Saturday? Well, you know, it's really cool. Uh, seeing the old dog with new tricks, you know, uh, I feel like when, when you're, when you're known for something being crazy, knockout power, whatever it is, when you're, when you've built a career off of one thing, it's really hard to kind of let that one thing go when it stops working. You know, people want to be like, well, I built my career doing this, so I've, I've got to keep it. I got to get it better. And, and Tim was willing to let his craziness and his wild, crazy out of control style go as, you know, he gets older, the competition gets better. These, these kids are growing and, and able to kind of hang with him. And he's really starting to fight smart, which is not what he's known for. So it's really cool to see the old dog with new tricks. And, uh, I, I it's really a testament of how good James is. You know, uh, Tim was elsewhere for about three years and went those three years without a win. And, uh, Came back to to James, was with him for two weeks, picked up a win, got his confidence back, got another fight lined up, and had a dominant performance. I think they're trying to set up uh, uh, Tim versus Kai Kara France next is is what I'm hearing. And I I just think that's another great fight for him to look amazing in. And it's really interesting to see where his career is going, especially at 125, being you only need a few fights to get back into that title shot. Yeah, that's what he wants as well. That would be a great fight to watch. Of course, another teammate of yours fought on Saturday, didn't go her way, but she got her chance to become a world champion. She took on one of the greatest fighters in the history of the sport. And listen, what happens happens and it's happened to many before her and will probably happen to many after her. But, you know, I'm sure a part of her is crushed, but at the same time, even spending two minutes in there with Amanda Nunes being part of a build to a title fight, it's hard not to take very valuable lessons from that experience. So I'm curious if you've spoken with Megan yet and, you know, how is she doing after Saturday? Yeah, she she's of good spirits, you know. She she's got her head up. She she's a fighter, man. It's it's not the first time that she's dealt with adversity. I'm sure she'll be back. And at the same time, it's like when that happens, it absolutely sucks. But you got to think the next fight that I have, I'm not fighting Amanda Nunez, the greatest female fighter of all time, you know. So it's gonna be it's gonna be definitely a lesson, and I I can't wait to see how she grows from it, you know. And it's all. It's all decision-based. She can choose to grow from this or she can choose to let this drag her down. And and deep down, I know she's going to choose the right choice. Well, sir, (laughs) you are back in action next weekend, March 20th against Leonardo Santos, your first fight since July, and you made the decision to go to 55. And the main reason before that was because you wanted to be ready to go for short notice opportunities. And I'm surprised that you hadn't gotten that call until now with what the world is like. I mean, maybe you did, and I'm not aware of it, but eight months between the Nadner Armani fight to now, I'm sure this wasn't how you drew it up, but can you explain, at least from where you sit, why it took so long to get you back in there? Yeah, man. Uh, So basically, you know, my management team does a great job. You know, the guys guys, uh, with Iridium do an amazing work. I'm very happy with, with everything that I have. Uh, with the UFC. The issue was I was a puzzle piece that fit into a puzzle. And then you take that puzzle piece and put it into a box with a completely different puzzle. You got to figure out where it goes. Uh, you know, you don't want to give me somebody too high up because I haven't earned it at 155. You don't want to give me somebody too low down because, you know, I'm undefeated in the UFC. So it's really weird. And, you know, with how much I'm making and all that, 
it's really weird to fit me into that puzzle. I truly believe that once I beat Santos in impressive fashion, I will be able to get a quick turnaround. My goal is to be able to fight May 15th right after Santos. I've got a name picked out. I got everything that I want to do. Um, it's it, whether it happens or not, I'm going to stay ready and be ready to do that. And, and it's, it's one of those situations where you just kind of got to roll with the punches. Um, and, and I'm, I'm ready to get after it. You know, Santos is my number one priority right now. And everything else after that is just going to be opinion based. That's interesting because, you know, especially after our last conversation, I would think that you had been frustrated with this, but it seems like you get it and it makes all the sense in the world as to why you weren't in there. So you're, you're okay with how this all played out and getting the fight that you got, even though it took so long. Well, also my manager is sitting right across from me listening to every word. So I don't want him to, I don't want him to beat me up later. So no, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, you, you gotta, you, part of it's my fault as well. You know, knowing that I was going up a weight class, I, I gained some weight and I wanted to take a little time off to put a little bit more muscle on me. And then just the timing and, and, and which opponent just didn't really fit right. So we're good. You know, uh, I'm happy. We got the fight that I wanted to get. And I, I truly think that I'll, I'll be able to fight, uh, a bunch more this year, 2021. My goal is at least three fights possibly four and i'm willing to take short notice uh short notice fights if need be to get those there's i mean there's a lot of similarities between you guys when you look at the numbers like both of you are on seven fight win streaks both of you are looking to make that leap to the next level i mean he's got you by a few years in the age department but with a guy like that the team he's a part of the experience he brings to the table it's a really good opportunity for both of you guys when you look at the matchup stylistically on paper how do you like it man i'm not i would lie to you if i didn't you know uh I like the matchup. I think I I think I work really well into his game. I feel like we have close to sim, similar games. I'm just better at it. I think that I'm the better wrestler. I think that if you put us in a gi, he could probably beat me. But uh, we're not fighting in the gi. I know how to fight in MMA. Every every practice that he has in the gi is going to hurt him in this fight. You know because all my practices are based around doing what he's doing but in MMA. So I, I, I love the matchup. I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with my pace. If you watch his last fight, you know, he had some struggles against, against a guy that I don't think is very good. And I think that being able to do what that guy did to him is, is it's going to be not a walk in the park by any means. It's a very, very tough fight, but it's a tough fight that I'm going to make look easy. I remember watching his last <laughs> fight with uh, Roman uh, Bogatov and my dad who doesn't watch MMA was sitting right next to me. So this is like the first fight he had seen since Conor McGregor knocked out Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205. And what happened in that third round with the, the, the gnarly shots to the nads and then the illegal knee on top of that, he was like, what the hell is going on here? So, I mean, obviously Santos was gone for three years. He was dealing with a ton of injuries. He's had two fights and two wins. What, what have you made outside? I mean, obviously the Bogotov, you have things on, but the win over Stevie Ray, just what have you seen from him over his last couple of fights? Man, it, it's really hard to take those, you know, those fights what they are because they had so long ago. If you look at him on paper, he's a tough matchup, you know, seven-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion, uh, wins over Kevin Lee, wins over Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray, wins over uh, there's one more guy that he beat that was really good, and I just I always forget his name, but Rocco. you know he's got good wins. The issue was those good Rock. What was it? Rocco Martin. Uh, the issue is those good wins. Yes, that's the one. That's that's what I'm thinking of. But 
the issue with those wins are they were years ago. You know, you can only really judge somebody by their last performance. And I think that his age is catching up to him. And that that's no no dig on how old he is. That's nothing like that. But I, I do think that this is a young man's game. And I think it's finally starting to catch up to him. And I think that's where I'm going to capitalize on. You were obviously a, a very big 45er. You're still going to be a good size 55er. You know, I'm sure not having to cut that extra 10 pounds is, is a glorious thing. But I assume overall, physically, you feel as good as probably as you ever have heading into a fight, knowing you don't have to put so much onus on cutting down to 146. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I, I kind of fought my management team and, and my coaches on going to 55 just because of the size issue. I made them a promise. I said after I missed weight with uh, Minner, I made them a promise that if I ever missed weight again or I came close to missing weight again, I would move up. No questions asked. Then I fought Nad at a catch weight of 150, and it was still really hard to make. I didn't almost miss by any means, but it was it was very difficult. And I knew in my heart that if I was going down to 145, I was not going to make it. So I'm a man of my word. We we decided to move up, and I've been spending these last eight months putting muscle on, uh, just getting a bigger frame. And not to mention, you know, I'm only 27 years old. My body is growing as is, and and I feel like I'm at the beginning point of my peak, not even like, or of my prime, I'm sorry, uh, not quite there yet, but just the way that I feel and the way how strong I am right now, I, I really feel like this was the right move. And I, I think that it's going to be nice to be in there and want to be there, not just be there because I'm, I'm, I'm tough and I love the sport, but actually want to be there, not be so drained and not be so hungry and just be thinking about getting it over with and going home, you know? So I'm really excited to see what 155 does, and I think it's going to be the best grant we've ever seen. What do you What do you walk around at normally, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, about the heaviest I've seen is 195. Okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's not totally uncommon for the lightweight division. So, I mean, you, you, so you're officially a UFC lightweight now, right? Like there's, we're not going back to 45 for, for any reason, right? You're, you're a lightweight now. Uh, uh, the only reason I would go back to 145, if it was even possible would be to win a second title and be a, a two division world champion. But that's so far into the future. Who knows how big I'll be? Maybe it won't even be possible, but the only thing that would encourage me to go to 145 again is life-changing fu money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. While this journey continues for you next Saturday against Leonardo Santos, Grant, how, how do we get this thing done? How does this thing play out? How do you visualize it in your head? Uh, I'm gonna finish him. I, I truly believe uh, the pace that I put on him will will break him. And he will give me his neck or his arm or something. Uh, I don't have any delusions of knocking him unconscious, but I could see a TKO just uh, due to fatigue. My plan is to put a, a ridiculous pace on him, and and he better hope that he finishes me in the first 30 seconds because if he doesn't, it's going to be a long, long night for him. You and I have been talking for several years now, since before you were in the UFC, before the Contender Series, You've had these goals laid out, like years and where you're going to be ranked and all these things. Do the goals all stay the same with the movement? Like you have this list you passionately stuck to over the last few years. Do they stay the same or do we have to like kind of adjust accordingly based on the new division and the changes and all that stuff? Uh, there, There's only one goal. 
and the goal is to be world champion for at least one night. Uh, everything before that or past that or whatever you want to look at it, those are really just mild uh, little points in, in, in the journey. So being ranked doesn't mean anything to me. Being this doesn't mean whatever doesn't mean anything to me. When it happens doesn't mean anything to me. Whether I win the belt at 30 or 40, it doesn't matter. As long as I get that belt for at least one night, this whole journey will have been will have been worth it. So I don't really care. I don't really care uh, about you know what I get next. If I get a ranked guy, or if I get another uh, contender, or if I get a legend or whatever, we have names that we want to throw out that I hope I get. But it, as long as I get that belt before I'm done fighting, it, the rest really doesn't matter. Interesting. I mean, when did, when did sort of the mind frame change with that? Cause I mean, like, like we said, every time we've talked, we've talked about this list, like this year, I want to be this, this year, I want to be this by this year, I'm going to be a champion. When did that change? I don't think it necessarily changed. Um, it was just when I was at 145, I could definitely see these things happening. I, I felt like I had a lot of steam behind me. Um, then, you know, missing weight with Derek, uh, you know, kind of put a put a little stamp or a little slow in that because we didn't know if I should go up or stay down or try again. And so it, it really just at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is getting that belt. If I don't win a world title, this whole journey would have been a waste of my time. So the the last thing that matters is, is getting the belt and, and everything in between is just going to I'm just going to enjoy the ride. So who's who's up this week for for you guys? Oh, Jason Witt's fighting this weekend, right? Yep. Against Matthew yep. Semmels. Oh man, that's a good scrap, man. I love that one. I'm sure Jason is in a a great place mentally after that last performance. That was something else. How's he looking? Oh man, he's looking like a, a killer. I've I've been going with him a lot for this camp just to kind of get used to the strength of uh, of 155. And I gotta tell you, man, he he's getting better every time we go. You know, he he's 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 just. I feel like the skills have always been there. It's just up here if he belonged. And I think now that he knows he belongs in the UFC, he's doing so much better, you know, with the guys in the room, doing so much better with just handling the big, big lights and, and the the potholes that come with it. And I, I'm super excited to see him compete. And I can't wait to see him put on another great performance. When does James get a weekend off? When does he stay home and not have to go to Vegas? Do you know? <laughs> I think it's after me. So he's got wit this week, me next week. And then I think he's done. All right. There you go. And then he's probably going to be off with like four or five weeks in a row after that. It's crazy, man. The guy is the hardest worker I've ever seen. Yeah, man. He travels so much. And that's something that this camp has been different. You know, I'm usually with James 24 seven every single day throughout my camps. And, uh, this camp, he, he was, you know, he's here Monday, Tuesday, and then gone Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I see him Monday, Tuesday. So it's been different. It, it hasn't been necessarily bad. We still talk. We still, you know, do our pad sessions and all that. But it's just been something different and, and something that I've had to overcome this camp. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to get in there and compete again, man. Is it, is it obviously you want James there as much as possible, but in like a weird way, is it almost better this way? Like just in case we go through these runs again, you got to experience it. At least you're getting groundwork laid out for if this happens in the future. And James is such a great coach. This probably will happen again at some point through one of your camps. Is it almost like better that it's happening now? Like your first fight at 55? Yeah. Uh, it could be so much worse. Uh, 
my, my teammates, Jeff Molina and Mike Breeden were on the contender series. Uh, they flew up with their coaches and all of the coaches, uh, tested positive for COVID and had to fly back or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, stay quarantined. And, and so they had to pretty much fight without, uh, without their coaches. And it's just things like that, that you have to overcome, you know, like, are you supposed to not fight the biggest fight of your life because somebody can't be there? It's like, no, you're ready. You got to go in there and fight. Am I supposed to not take this fight because I don't see James every single day? No, I'm still going to take this fight. I'm still going to go in there and I'm still going to win. And, and we're going to, we're going to adapt to the, any situation that happens. A very confident Grant Dawson getting ready to make his 155-pound debut in the UFC this Saturday. Really interesting matchup with Leonardo Santos. It's a good fight. It's a good card. It's a good card. I think after the way UFC Vegas 21 ended, I kind of think that this card's in a good position. You know what I mean? Like, 20, Vegas 21 was great. It's a lot of great action. We had the 2-0 contest, especially having one in the main event. That kind of hurts. It's a recency thing. What's the last thing that you saw from me? You saw no contest and an eye poke. So it opens the door for some positivity, some excitement. I think this card on Saturday, headlined by Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland. A lot of very interesting fights on this card. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, We're going to have another great conversation to take us out of this program in a matter of moments. But uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. But you want to say thank you to everybody for watching the 50th episode of what the heck this is crazy 50 episodes in the books and we have not missed a week yet so this is pretty cool i mean i know it's only 50 but we got a long way to go to catch some of the other bigger shows but so far 50 down hopefully 50,000 to go so thank you very much thank you big thank you to casey on the production baddest mustache in mma media i'm a big pain he gets it. He sticks by me, produces like a champion. We appreciate it. I'm paying to cool Alex and Jose Young's on the graphics. They come through each and every week. You guys rule. You guys are the best. And of course, to all the fighters, all the personalities, the managers who make the show happen. Big thank you to all of you. Big couple of weeks. Hell, a big several months coming up for all of us as combat sports fans. As combat sports fans, there's just so much going on right now. So stick with us here at MMAfighting.com for all the information, all the news, all the fun when it comes to all of these big events that are coming up in the next couple of months. Of course, again, if you missed it, big announcement. April 24th, UFC back in the United States in front of a capacity crowd. Full house in Jacksonville. Three title fights. UFC 261 headline by Kamar Usman versus Jorge Mazadal 2. Unbelievable. But as far as this week's go, <laughs> but as far as this week goes, have a heck of a week, everybody. We're gonna wrap things up with my chat with the former. UFC heavyweight champion of the world about to make his boxing debut April 17th, Frank Mir. All right, let us say hello to the former UFC heavyweight champion of the world, a man who signed with BKFC recently, but it turns out before he debuts in the BKFC ring, he's going to be fighting Antonio Tarver on April 17th, part of the Triller event headlined by Ben Askren versus Jake Paul. Incredible stuff. Frank, how are you, man? Thank you for doing this. Hey, you're welcome, man. Thank you. It's good to have you here. It's uh, good to catch up with you again. First off, if somebody told you 18 months, two years ago, that your first fight in 2021 would be in a boxing match against Antonio Tarver, would you have believed him? No, probably not. Uh, I definitely have always wanted to do boxing and kickboxing matches. And, um, you know, uh, 
I knew that I wanted to make sure the contracts I had signed for the rest of my uh, career didn't keep me exclusively to one organization unless it was for that particular uh, platform that they uh, fought in. For example, you know, if you sign with Risen, I get it that I not do, you know, MMA fighting for somebody else, but if a kickboxing or boxing match came up, why not? Uh, I don't understand that monopoly that guys feel that they have to keep on people. It just, you know, keeps fighters from not fighting. And, uh, you know, we only get paid when we fight. And, and, and hell, uh, you only live so long and you only have so many times to compete. I want to be able to, you know, enjoy my life and enjoy competing. So, you know, BKFC, uh, you know, David's was really cool about it, saying that, you know, hey, look, you sign with us. You do, you know, obviously we don't want you fighting bare knuckle anywhere else. But if other opportunities arise that are MMA or boxing or kickboxing, jump on them. I know from our last conversation, you had said you were hoping sometime in the spring you would make your BKFC debut. And obviously, this is going to be a massive card, a huge opportunity for you, like you said, to do something you've always wanted to do against a guy with an established name in the sport of boxing. So I'm curious, like, how this came together? Like, when did this get presented to you? Because this is a big deal. This is right up your alley. I don't really know a lot of the. You're going to have to interview Malky. I keep getting asked that question. I might have to ask him. Uh, how it worked out on his end, but basically it worked out like this. Hey, uh, Frank, what are you doing? Nothing. Just would you want to do a boxing match against a former world champion? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Antonio Tarver, April seventeenth. Uh, are you on? I'm in. All right, cool. <laughs> That's how easy it is to be my manager. You know, what I mean, well, at the time, actually, I take it back. There was no date set. It was sometime in April. Hopefully, they're trying to set a fight when I first found out about it. I was like, cool please sign me up. And so, uh, that was about how that conversation went. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And, and what's interesting is I've heard you talk about in interviews that one of your favorite boxers of all time is Roy Jones Jr. And yeah. obviously he was part of the first big thriller event against Mike Tyson and Tarver has a pair of wins over Roy, which probably makes it even more interesting and more enticing for you to take this fight. Right? Absolutely. And I've got to hang out with Roy a couple times overseas in Russia and whatnot. And, uh, you know, hang out with him, and he's an incredible guy, interesting to talk to. Every bit the person I thought he would be mentally as far as the, the knowledge of combat sports and uh, just, you know, warfare in general. And, uh, you know, yeah, to be able to, uh, you know, get an avenge a, a loss for one of your heroes is always a pleasure. Seeing Roy and Mike do their thing, you know, exhibition or not, I loved it, man. I thought it was great. What was that like for you watching Roy and Mike in their 50s looking in just tip-top physical condition, put on a fun show like that for everybody. You know, it's very inspiring because I think a lot of times, and in fact, it actually made me feel good that at that point, because, you know, I think when I was about 39, I mean, from about 35, my injuries have really just started compounding and it really got hard for me to train. And then about 39, I was just, you know, miserable, ready to retire. It was hard to get me in the gym because, you know, if I could get past the pain and take enough ibuprofen and, and, and whatnot to get in there, then that night of sleep was even worse. You know, I, I, I tossed and turned from agony. And then uh, I got op opportunity to go with BioAccelerator and, and, and really got to go over to Columbia and do uh, stem cells. Uh, that helped uh, doing all the, you know, if you find a great CBD product and a great foundation for supplements, I found American Shaman, jumped on board with them, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in that. And then Mitrospec with Kratom. So I've, I've started healing my body and then hanging out with, you know, Steve Dotti doing my conditioning over at Lifetime and Nick Best and being very religious for the last 18 months for lifting weights and focused on healing my injuries. 
And, you know, it was embarrassing to start off with being in the gym. You know, people were looking over at me thinking that, you know, that's probably, you know, what I should be warming up with. And I'm struggling with it to get, you know, that's my max, you know. And um, so my health has came back. And seeing, you know, uh, you know, Roy and Mike out there competing in their 50s, it was almost more validation of, look, you know, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, you're going to have to now... You know, whereas before I don't have to warm up, now I have to warm up. Whereas before I didn't have to spend a specific practice just doing rehab. You know, it was kind of an afterthought before. Now it's like, no, no, at this time is scheduled as just rehab. People be like, it's not a workout. I'm like, nope, this whole practice is about, you know, fixing everything I've done throughout the week, you know, hurting myself. So, I mean, does it take more diligence? Do I have to pay more attention to what I eat? Yeah, but um, but the you know the price you know is worth it and, and and seeing it and so and again just watching Roy and Mike it's like oh so, so, you know especially Mike Tyson somebody I can relate to somebody who really let himself go there through his late 30s and 40s you know there was times Mike was walking around 300 pounds he wasn't healthy and now you look at him and he's cleaned up his diet his motivation his training and and we got to see really a, in a phenomenal version of him. And so um, that, again, as a fighter who's getting older, I found it especially uh, inspiring. One thing that's interesting about this fight is, you know, in the past, you've been a guy that's been in the position that Antonio's in right now, like taking on somebody from the outside, coming in from a different combat sport and trying to prove a point, kind of defend the sport in a way like you did with the first Brock Lesnar fight. And now you're heading over to the boxing ring, trying to get a big win and fly the flag of MMA against a guy like Antonio Tarver, a former world champion. Do you feel like there's any kind of advantage being on that other side that Antonio's on right now, kind of experiencing what that's like? No, I actually like being on this side of it. <laughs> there's, there's no pressure. And uh, in, in every challenge, you always learn things about yourself. And it's funny because uh, this is a challenge where I'm actually, not only am I in a position where I'm now the guy going out and being the outsider coming in and, and, and Antonio's the defender of his sport. Um, so this is a new position for me to be in. But really the, the, the part that is the most different for me, and I've got to learn the most about myself, is that it was probably about four weeks ago where my wife was just shocked. For six days a week now, even on days I fly out of the country, I'll be in another, you know, fly out of the state. I haven't had to leave the country in a little while. Um, I still get up, even if I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning, I go do 45 minutes of steady state cardio. First thing I do before I eat anything, I drink a, a cup of coffee, 12 ounces of coffee, a little more than a cup. And uh, I go do cardio and I keep my heart rate above 140. Uh, and, and my wife, you know, the other day she asked me, she's like, I can't believe, she goes, it would have been great if you discovered this 10 years ago, like, what changed? You know what I mean? You know, she's clo the closest person to me in the world. And I was sitting there thinking about it, you know, like, you know, normally I go to get out of bed and if I'm hurting and sore, it's hard sometimes, especially you get older. You know, it's like, ah, screw it, I'm gonna sleep in, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I said, my intelligence has actually crippled me throughout my career a little bit. Um, I've always gone into every fight as a mixed martial artist knowing that I was the smarter guy. That if you sat there and put a whiteboard up and say, hey, explain moves and explain strategy, there's nobody I've ever fought that knows more about mixed martial arts than I do. I could be their coach. I knew more than most people's coaches that five fought. And so that made me kind of lazy at times or not as threatened. So I put my guard down. Sometimes I was too comfortable. I was kind of like that black belt in jujitsu who doesn't train as hard anymore. And then that purple belt who's in really good shape and really hungry. 
he's coming after him, and all of a sudden you might take him lightly, and, and I've, you know. But uh, here I'm now in a situation with Tarver where the roles are completely reversed. Even though I am a very sharp boxer when it comes to the basics, there's a level of boxing that Tarver's attained because he's a specialist in it that I'm never going to attain. I'm like a decathlete, right? I can only be so good at throwing the javelin. A guy who's a specialist at the javelin is going to be better than me, even though I'm obviously familiar with it as a decathlete. And so being a mixed martial artist, I am familiar with boxing and very good at it and very good at jiu-jitsu, very good at wrestling. But as far as a specialist, how can I beat somebody who's a world champion as far as how can I know more than Tarver when it comes to boxing? And so it really put me in a unique position to where now I'm focused on training, being in shape, because I'm like, hey, look, I got the basics down, <clears throat> but all the traps and trickery and all that that's usually on my side, he has. So I'm going to have to make sure I show up in phenomenal shape so that I can keep a pace and a power output, use my size and strength, and just really make sure that when I'm doing the basics, everything I throw hurts, and it hurts for 10 rounds. It's interesting you say that about like the approach and you know the trips and the traps and that, that you see in boxing because, I mean, Antonio hasn't fought in like six years. You know, he's 52 years old, and as you saw with Tyson and Jones, like age is just a number at this point. 22 knockouts in his career, and no matter how old you get, there's still going to be some pop there, no matter what. So, do you take kind of more of a modern day MMA approach to this bout, where you're worrying just about yourself? You're not watching a lot of film on Antonio because, you know, six years is a long time, right? Well, no, actually, I still watch a ton of film on uh, Antonio because still there's parts of his personality that you know, over, you know, a 25, 30 year career that uh, he's not going to change that haven't changed. Certain tendencies when I see him in certain situations that, uh, you know, it's his mind, it's his spirit. There's certain neurological formatting that it's you. And you can learn how to hide it, you can learn how to leverage it, but, I mean, really changing your colors doesn't really happen, you know what I mean? Um, you can make yourself a better version of yourself, but as far as completely rewriting a book, uh -uh, doesn't happen. So there's certain things that Tarver does in certain situations that those are the things he's still going to do now. And, and, and the advantage I have in this fight is that I know how he looks in a boxing match. <clears throat> the disadvantage he has in this fight is he doesn't know what I look like in a boxing match. He only sees what I look like with my stance adjusted for defending kicks, defending takedowns and knees on top of defending hands. And there's a difference between an MMA stance, even just breaking it down to that point, and a boxing stance. What, what's the training camp like for this? Like, are, are you sticking around at like the same places you were at? Like, I know you worked with Angelo Reyes for a long time, and I know how important he was in in you learning the basics of boxing and bringing it to MMA. How are you handling the preparation in terms of coaching, guys you're working with, et cetera? Well, right now I work with John Wood a ton, <clears throat> and the different guys that send it, you know. Uh, Gunderson and Mike Piles in there. And those guys, you know, and I work with a lot of guys as far as sparring. I, what I do is just to make it equal is I'm, right now I spar 12 rounds. And I just make sure that everybody I spar is just a fresh guy coming on me every round. So that way, even though there might be a difference in skill level, um, you know, and they're also, everybody has to stand left-handed, not everybody in there is southpaw naturally. So even though that there's difficulty there, you know, as round six, round seven, round eight comes out, and that's that guy's first round, um, it makes it much more even and makes it much more difficult for me. And, and I have to push that much harder. <clears throat> so that's how I work that out. I'm only really sparring two and three times a week. The other two or three times I, I, I hit pads hard. 
And then whatever I do in the morning, like, you know, like, for example, today was a pad day in the morning. So I wake up in the morning, my schedule for today, right? I woke up in the morning at seven, you know, take my vitamins, drink my coffee, kind of sit and vegetate for a second. I get to the gym about eight o'clock. I do cardio until about, you know, 8.45. I eat breakfast at nine o'clock and I'm at the gym at Syndicate at 10. I hit pads really hard because it's a hard session if it's in the morning with pad work. Uh, with John, we did eight rounds. Uh, <clears throat> And then, uh, then when I get done, uh, I go home, I eat lunch. Then at two o'clock, I go to the weight room uh, and I still lift weights. I lift weights six days a week. I'm a big believer that all you do is you drop the volume, but you can keep the intensity. And that's why my strength and power stayed the way it is and I'm not getting injured. It's a mistake I've made in the past. And now as I train my daughter, my daughter lifted weights all the way up until four days before each one of her fights. And uh, uh, people think I'm crazy doing it, but I'm like, hey guys, the NFL guys, in season lift weights and those guys are million dollar athletes there's a reason why um there's just a smart way to do it and then when i get done with that i go home again i, I have a protein shake i eat i usually try to take a nap or relax or i have a, a gap between four and six o'clock at 6 30 i'm back at the gym and if i hit pads in the morning then at nighttime i do what's called drill work like tonight jake my partner he uh you know he puts on a body shield so i can hit him in the body you know with some authority without ruining them. And uh, we basically go back and forth with drills. So it's intermittently, instead of just hitting pad work and then going to sparring, now it's kind of like controlled sparring where we're gonna hit certain scenarios. We're like, he's gonna throw a combination, it can either be a jab or a hook, so my reaction has to react. And then I have a set counter I'm gonna throw. And then we just go back and forth drilling that. You know, and tonight we did eight rounds of specific fight stuff drilling. Tomorrow, basically how it works is that instead of me hitting pads in the morning, I still do cardio first thing in the morning and from eight to 8.45 <clears throat> breakfast, then I'll spar for the morning session. And then in the evening at 6.30, I'll, I'll do pad work instead of the man work as far as drilling. And I still lift weights, you know, at about two o'clock. Kind of going back to the, you know, boxing versus MMA thing. Like you said, the, the, there is a tension on this fight with Tyra for sure. I think it's a very cool thing. But you're not fighting Jake Paul, so there isn't this pressure that Ben Askren has heading into his fight. Like yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the weight of the MMA world is like on his shoulders. It's I, I mean, I can't imagine the pressure he's under in his boxing debut. I'm sure there's a part of you that feels like you're defending the sport, but in Ben's situation, like, what advice would you give him as to how to approach this fight and what his mindset should probably be in this situation? Well, if you think too much about that, it can be a distraction. And, uh, and uh, I do have certain tips for it, but I don't want to give too much advice because that's the same advice I'd give Tarver. And I don't want to help him out too much because <laughs> Tarver's in the same position where the weight of the world's on his shoulders. Because, you know, even if he has a bad showing and wins the fight, it's kind of a loss on Monday morning when he shows up at the gym. You know, like, hey, man, that guy made his debut and uh, you struggled with him. You know, uh, that, that could be a very bad day for him. Uh, let alone me actually, you know, cleaning his clock, you know. And so, uh, uh, you know, Ben does have a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And, you know, and, and the crazy part is, I mean, hey, Jake Paul, I don't have anything against him. I know a lot of people don't like him as far as, as a YouTube star coming in boxing. But I'm like, hey, look, um, he garners the attention. So that's what validates that he's in that ring. And he takes it serious. It isn't like this guy's not training. If he was out partying and drinking and, and treated this like a, you know, a joke, and he was basically making a, you know, a masquerade of of what I love, combat sports, then absolutely I'd be pitchfork and in, in, in flames with shoulder to shoulder with everybody else. But the kid trains. He's focused and he's trying to be part a boxer. 
Uh, and so I have nothing but love for that. I'm like, well, that's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to be able to enjoy martial arts and train at different levels, whether it's competing or not, but I think it makes everybody a better human being. But uh, he doesn't. The, guy, the kid's in shape. He's trying to improve his skill level. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a reason why some people are worried for Askren, because this kid is actually putting in the work. Um, so I have a lot of respect for him for that. The fact that his avenue in was that he was a YouTube star, well, hey, man, all the more power to him that he found a way to be popular and make money. And, you know, I think a lot of people just hate him because they wish they could have done that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, the, the guys are like, man, I wish I could just make videos and become a millionaire. Uh, he did. He pulled it off. And so, uh, and on top of that, it brings a lot of, there's a lot of young kids right now at home who, especially because of what just happened with COVID, already they were sitting playing too many video games you know, watching too much TV, you know, we have an obesity problem, obesity problem in this, you know, in this country already as it is. And now we just took a year off where kids weren't allowed to go to school and homeschooling and Zooming and, and whatnot. And that is, was a complete, you know, uh, travesty, you know, uh, kids just, most, most children don't do well under those circumstances. And if they're fans of Jake Paul and they're watching him go out there who doesn't need the money, he's already set for life, go out there and, and put it on the line and dedicate himself to something that is hard, hard like, you know, combat sports are. Um, I think he's going to inspire a lot of the younger generation. And how is that a bad thing? So you're, you're going to a bunch of kids signing up at boxing gyms and wrestling and MMA. Hey, man, that's a win. That's that's a, actually a really interesting way to look at it, and I agree with you that Jake Paul, you know, he is who he is, but at the same time, he is taking it very seriously, and you can't fault him for that. As as far as you go, I mean, the goal for you, no matter what you do, is is to win, like it always is. Yeah. But other than that, from a, like a boxer and a fighter perspective, like outside of just getting the win, what are you hoping to accomplish on April seventeenth against a guy like Antonio Tarver? Well, I just want to make a sh good showing of myself first and foremost. You know, like, uh, you know, look, I'm an example to my children. Uh, and my children are smart. And they're phenomenal human beings. They're, I mean, if you watch my Instagram, you can see the things they're already doing. They're unbelievable. You know, my daughter and my sons. Um, and so uh, I'm an example to them. So when I walk out into that ring, my daughter's going to be in my corner. I want to make sure that when I walk out of that ring, my daughter's proud that I'm her father. You know what I mean? Regardless of how that fight ends, I'm walking out of there with uh, pride, you know, and hopefully that means me putting my fist through uh, Tarver's ribs and he gets carried out on a stretcher. But uh, if it comes out with an L, he's still probably leaving in a stretcher. You know, I might get outpointed, but I'm making sure that everybody knows I was there. You mentioned your daughter, Bella. She had herself quite the 2020. She made her pro MMA debut, had a hard fought decision in her first fight, came back less than two months later and got a submission in just under two minutes. It was a short yeah. night at the office for Bella. And uh, you you and Bella joined me. We spoke right before her debut, and you talked about how nervous you were heading into that fight as her dad and as her corner. But what was it like, you know, seeing her battle in that first fight, kind of overcoming that adversity, and then bouncing right back with the stoppage in the second fight? I, I couldn't have written it any better for her because I think if, if those fights had been reversed, if she would have had the first fight and choked a girl out very fast, I would have been more nervous about the next one. But the fact that her first opponent put up such a battle, that girl did not want to lose. She showed up and brought her A game, you know, and, and she really, you know, have, showed a lot of heart. It was just that there was a difference in skill and ability, you know. And so uh, and, and there's no real loss in face over that. Uh, you know, there's people that are just better than you. And, but, you know, 
that put Bella in deep waters. That girl fought hard. It tested Bella's resolve. And Bella showed what no one else could really know. You know, everybody can see that she's strong and fast and extremely skilled and technical. But that toughness to fight through adversity, there's only one way to find out. You can't find out in the gym. I don't care how hard you make a practice, it ain't real. You know what I mean? You can make it as close to as possible, and we think we know, but you don't know until people are screaming and the lights and cameras are on, do we really see what you're really made out of? And Bella proved that she's really made out of something special. Yeah, because she got cracked, like, right off the bat and yeah. took it like a champion. And for you, you were like, whew, you're probably sweating some bullets over there after that. Check that box. You check that box. <laughs> How are you guys sort of mapping out her 2021 in that sense? Uh, well, right now, her... Bella really, she loves wrestling and folk style in high school. So she's a junior right now. So she's focused on wrestling. And, uh, you know, nationals is in two weeks. Even right now, she was like, oh, later after I get done with wrestling practice, I'm going to go to jujitsu. And she's supposed to go do pads in the morning. I'm like, hey, you know what? You got two more weeks for nationals. Just be a wrestler. You know, just focus on that. You know, you know, you know, you're only going to have two more shots at this. You have in two weeks, and then your senior year. You know, um, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, everybody's pushing and MMA and be in the UFC right now. And I'm all, eh, let's wait. You know, there's a very important lesson to, you know, uh, story in this is, and there's one name I was, I just keep telling everybody, hey, Vasily Lomachenko was is one of the greatest boxers to ever live. 396 and one as an amateur, gold medalist, you know, Olympian, phenomenal fighter. Uh, he took on too much too soon. Turns pro, his first fight against Salido, the champion down there in Texas. He loses a really hard-fought decision. Uh, he doesn't. He maybe would have waited one or two fights. That fight doesn't cut in an L. Uh, I don't want that to be Bella. I don't want us to push her so fast too soon that she loses a fight. Or, you know, it takes it now that wasn't necessary, that now some girl who's on their way out, basically like Salido and, uh, and Lomachenko, you know, like gets a win over Bella, gets to retire. Bella goes on to have this Hall of Fame career. And now this girl gets to sit home. Well, I beat her. I'm like, yeah, you beat her because we prematurely ran into that situation. <laughs> Give us another two years and she chokes you unconscious. So I'm going to make sure that, you know, hey, look, it's my daughter. I'm going to err on the side of caution. Last thing, um, we found out on Saturday uh, some unfortunate news, the passing of Marvin Hagler at the age of 66, one of the most exciting fighters of all time. And, you know, it's funny. I, I grew up in the Boston area, and my father used to tell me that in the 70s and early 80s, and uh, I, I think the great columnist for the Boston Globe, Bob Ryan, spoke about this on Saturday, too. In Boston, it was the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, and Marvin Hagler was, in essence, the fifth major sports team in Boston because he had so many fights at the Boston Garden. Like, a lot of his the beginning of his pro career happened at the Boston Garden. He was so respected. And, of course, you know, everyone remembers the classic battle with Tommy Hearns, the fights with Sugar Ray and Roberto Duran. One of the all-time greats. H how will you remember marvelous Marvin Hagler as, as a boxing fan? You know what? I just think that the one thing about Hagler was his tenacity. You know, I mean, obviously, I mean, look, he was a skilled fighter. But even if you watch that fight with Hearns, if you watch that one round, and, and it goes down as, the, you know, one of the one round, you know, fights, greatest rounds of, of boxing. And I, and I have a hard time being able to disagree with anybody that thinks otherwise. Um, Hearns hits hard. And you could see that he was landing hard shots. You know, Hearns has a phenomenal right hand, you know, power, both hands. And uh, Hagler made a decision. He was going to move forward, move through that, you know, and just inflict damage. And, uh, you know, that mental toughness, that gut check, 
that ability that, you know, that something in front of you is just pure pain and you're going to drive into it and fight hard and break it down. Uh, that blows my mind. That just shows. And that's something I think every human being from any skill level, any kind of genetic background you would think you have, that's something you can learn from. That Hagler, he wasn't the more powerful puncher in that fight. Hearns was the better athlete, the more powerful puncher, and uh, he demolished him. He came forward. That work rate that they both had in the first round was unreal. And he just kept it up, kept it going, and just broke him down. Just unbelievable stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen that round, do yourself a favor, finish yeah. this interview and uh, and go watch that round. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. But well said, Frank. Uh, I mean, your boxing story gets underway April seventeenth. You guys watching Trailer presents the event. You watch on Fight TV pay per view platforms. This is this is ten rounds, right? You and Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, they were, you know, it's smart on their part. I'm obviously the B side. You know, they chose to make it, you know, 10 rounds because, you know, a four round fight would be even more dangerous with a guy of my size and my explosiveness. Um, you know, then I'll, I mean, then I could throw caution to the wind and just keep a high volume. 10 rounds, I'm going to have to be more cautious about, you know, uh, gassing myself out. You know, no matter how good a shape you're in, you could still make yourself really tired if you push too hard of the pace too soon, uh, if you go out of your uh, your comfort zone or, or push past your rhythm. And so, uh, you know, th it brings more strategy into it, which weighs into his favor again. Well, I'm looking forward to it. This is, this is a really big deal. I think this is awesome. And uh, wish you all the best in the fight, Frank, and the rest of the camp, man. Thank you for the time. And uh, uh, I learn a lot every time I speak with you. So thank you uh, very thank much. Thank you, man, so much. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on the amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.